Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watch a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I totally know what episode we're doing today. Uh, and, and as such, I am just as apt uh, a, a businessman and wrestling persona as the, the great Eric Bischoff. Yeah, today we are doing the March 26, 2001 episode of Monday Night Raw. In the eyes of many, the blackest day in the history of this business. Dude. Because it's the day, because it's the day where Vince McMahon announced that the fate of WCW was now in his hands. I, okay, I can't remember if I brought this up on the show, but I, I can't stop thinking about that one time we watched, it was something like Ruth, at a late attitude slash Ruthless aggression era. I think it might've been the Christmas special last year where it was a mother. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been right. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Cause that was 2001 because that yeah. was after the, right after the invasion. Yeah, motherfucker in the crowd holding up a sign that said, I'd rather be watching Nitro. And that's just, that that's an image that haunts me. Of, like, mm -hmm. imagine how devastating it is to have, like, your favorite company, and it's the alternative to WWE, and then WWE just fucking swallows it up in its infinite monopoly quest of the like, wrestling industry. There, there are certainly things that WWE did to drive away fans from this point in time. But there are also a contingency of fans who were there for WCW, and when they were gone, they never came back again. They <laughs> the last time they ever watched wrestling was two thousand and one. That's so fucked. That's so insanely fucked, dude. Like that. Mm -hmm. That is legitimately a haunting image. And sometimes I just think about that and I shiver a little. It's like, yeah, oh, man, that's so deeply fucked. Mm -hmm. So this is the show. This is also the go home raw to WrestleMania, which what puts the it at probably, fuck? which probably puts it at the most convenient and inconvenient time to have this come up that we have to Vince address. Man, it. petty asshole does this right yeah. before WrestleMania just as a flex. Fuck you. It, it adds a certain poetic nature to it because a lot of people consider WrestleMania 17 to be the death of the Attitude Era. Symbolic, not At only because the of the death of WCW, but also the symbolic... It, the, the, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because we're not doing that arc, and if we ever do, it'll be a long time from now. But it was that was the day that Vince... The WrestleMania 17 was the show where Steve Austin turned heel and joined Vince McMahon to win oh. the WWF title. So... Both WCW died and Stone Cold stopped being Stone Cold in a in the span of a week. So it's just the death of the Monday Night War and all of the mm -hmm. fallout that comes from that. Like all of the dominoes that can fall down as a result of that did. Mm -hmm. That's insane. What? Wow. We do need to do that angle just because there's like so much to unpack there. Jesus Christ. That's true. Uh, so shit. about for WCW, I kind of talked a lot about how they died when we did the rant, the first randomizer and did a 2001 yeah. episode of WCW. But I'll reiterate some basic points here. Basically, Turner, they, WCW 
as which is in a way that is very different from pretty much any major wrestling company that ever existed was owned by the the tv company that um put them on television in this case turner media yeah. right it's so like, oh, man, as a as who there is a lot of issues that wcw had that are a direct result of being owned by their by own turner, TV yeah but probably the biggest problem was is that Turner was easily the biggest champion of the company. It was his own little baby pet billionaire pet project. Mm -hmm. And everyone else in the company only liked it for maybe two years at best. The peak NWO years were the only time where anyone in corporate was like, hell yeah, brother, WCW. I can um, I want to imagine like the entire corporate office for like those peak two years, like dressing up in their full NWO gear, and just going getting smashed at a, at, a, at a live show. I would love mm-hmm. to see that image. And then yeah. and then and then after that, they they all just kind of like look around at each other and like realize what the fuck they're wearing. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? And they storm. Yeah, every every other year that he had it, and to be clear, Turner owned it from about the late eighties until two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. It was like if corporate thought they could every year, corporate was desperate trying to talk Turner into selling this fucking thing. Yeah, uh, no, and because especially when it comes to Turner Broadcasting, is they wanted to become prestige cable television. The kind of thing that gets high-paying, affluent advertisers and viewers. Oh, and yeah. Wrestling appeals to nobody that, oh, has, totally. that is in that demographic. Oh, not a soul. Also, yeah, g- good job ending up with the prestige of Checks Notes TCM. Yeah. I don't know how well TNT succeeded at becoming a prestige cable network, yeah. but well, is, isn't 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 Turner Classic this is that the same Turner? Same Turner, but different division. Oh well, either way, it, they they became they. I, I guess that does lead into it because TNT became known as the channel that the channel that airs NBA games and airs old movies that TNT has the rights to air on broadcast. Yeah, and then TCM is the one that that broadcasts the really old movies. The ancient ones. The, the super, the super old. Hey, every once in a while, they'll fucking broadcast the, the, the like, 1980s pro shot of Sweeney Todd, and that shit makes me really happy. That's pretty cool. But yes, base, Turner was the only one who loved WCW, and then, thanks to a few mergers that were clearly extremely successful, uh, mm-hmm. merging with Time Warner Cable, oh, and yeah. then merging with AOL. Oh, shit! Oh, shit, buddy! AOL, the fucking gold mine there. Yeah, uh, Turner oh, lost power. Turner lost power, and the new owners were like, "What is this fucking wrestling shit?" We are far too dignified for this. We're AOL. Yeah, like WCW also failed on it from a creative perspective, but that's not really why the company went under. Not truly, if. Turner, if Turner cared about it, they could have rehabbed WCW, but they also didn't want them. So oh, yeah, no, they did. To be clear, they did not give a shit. It's no, it's so like what the fuck else was on TNT in these years? Like what 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 was the shit that all the other big wigs were like putting putting their necks out for? Some fancy drama shows, scripted dramas, I presume. I don't know a lot about 
So were they just like looking at like HBO and like shitting their pants a little bit? Is that what's going on? I think a little bit. I think. Oh, oh, that that that's a, that's a number one way to get productive results is just being like so pants shittingly terrified of your of your competition that you just decide to start aping their bit. That that mm-hmm. always works. Never fails. Right. And so they wanted WCW gone. And so they were. Uh, uh-huh. Eric Bischoff tried his damnedest to finance, uh, get get a finance financial backers to buy the company himself, but he ran into a problem. None of the backers would give him money if he didn't have a TV slot signed on, TV deal, like a TV slot guaranteed. And nobody would give him a TV slot if he didn't have money guaranteed to finance the company <laughs> you told that you've told this part before but that's a, that that's yes. so screw like the vicious cycle there is insane to me yeah so he was trying to like finagle tv broadcasters with money he didn't have and so wait okay I, I do have one question wasn't bischoff like an entrepreneur himself how did he not have like some extra some extra like pocket change to like temporarily financed before he got like a tv slot to like show off to backers who could then give him i don't i don't know what the i don't know what all the financial situation was but i know that's that's what happened i know i do know that's what happened is that eric bischoff needed and had a group of financial backers but they had but he couldn't you know make it come together not helped by the fact that due to that lawsuit from way back when over the likenesses of razor ramon and diesel from the very beginning of the nwo arc as part of the settlement for that lawsuit that went until 2000 uh was that wcw the wwe had to get first had to get a right of first refusal on buying on if wcw ever went to market they had to be allowed to bid for WCW. And from, I don't have the full story on this, but my understanding is that there were some insider dealy dealings happening here that allowed Vince to buy it for a little bit cheaper than was probably fair. Wait, insider dealy dealings like with a Bischoff? No, as in he had got, he had friends in Turner that made sure the buying price, that it made sure that Turner would take a price that was a little less than necessarily market value for WCW. Wait, hold the hell up. So did Vince have like agents on the inside of Turner who were actively trying to kill WCW? Not not necessarily agents, more like, you know, friends, you know, Mm. a fellow millionaire friends that you just kind of have backdoor deals with. So... A- agents implies a lot more direct attempts to fucked up conspiratorial fucking of WCW, and I think I think it's more of like Vince had the right uh, fellow rich friends fighting their time. Mm-hmm. I get that. Okay. Um. So also, I, you you've laid this part out to me before, but I'm I will never be over the the fucking right of first refusal thing is so insane to me. Like that's so psychotic of Vince to do. Of like him basically just just already uh, just because he was like 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 here's the situation Vince was grumpy that WCW dared insinuate that it was like raise the fictional characters Razor Ramon and Diesel on their show to like commit commence a pseudo like invasion war thing he was so bitter over that. 
that he's like, okay, you wanted to like vaguely take a couple of my ideas and use them for your own game. Fine. If your company fucking dies, all of your ideas are now my property and I am going to use them to promote my own shit and make billions of dollars off. Like, what a fucking petty psychopath. Holy shit. Yeah, and WCW was famously sold for what was essentially pennies. WWF bought WCW for $4.2 million. Wow. The whole thing. 2.5 for the assets. 1.7 1.7 for the library. That's awful. It is Chris Jericho famously has done like for when he's he's done bits in WCW docu series about the Monday Night Wars, and he has said multiple times that like he's like shit. If I knew how cheap WCW was going for, I would have bought it. Fucking that would have been a wild alternate history. And okay, mm-hmm. I love to shit on Eric Bischoff because these days he's just a bitter asshole who loves like screaming, frothing at the mouth into a microphone about like how inept Tony Khan is, is like a booker and a businessman. Meanwhile, scoreboard. That that said, I have to have a little bit of sympathy for it because like this whole ordeal was just broke his entire brain. Like, yeah, I can see why he's like this because the way that he lost his enterprise here was just with the utmost disrespect toward him and everything he built. And I can see why that would drive a man a little mad, like a little, little, little bit of Joker, Joker moment in, 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 in that, <laughs> in, in, in the way WCW folded at the hands of Vincent K McMahon. Right. So, uh, WWE has bought WCW now, and a significant portion of this episode of Raw will be Vince gloating about that. Uh, specifically, this is, act- a this is actually a considered a W a Raw and Nitro simulcast. Uh, it is the obviously the last episode of Nitro is also on March 26, 2001, and Vince McMahon his promos on this show appeared on both Raw and Nitro. What the fuck? Man, fuck you. He was absolutely taking a victory lap on this episode. What a piece of shit. And oh my I'm sure god. You will, I'm sure you also hate a lot of this um, of this such gloating bullshit that we see Oh, tonight. this is going to make me really angry. Yep. So, but also it is the road to WrestleMania 17. So let's, I will frame how I talk about these episodes, what we're going to see tonight based on the matches that are happening at 17. Okay. So the big one is the main event. Of course, it is the WWF champion, the rock versus the chat, the Royal rumble winner, stone cold, Steve Austin. And Everyone talks about the hype package for this st- plot, for this art, for this uh, storyline. And I agree, it's epic. They don't talk enough about how much this angle is stupid. <laughs> how, huh. is they, is, is how much of this is related to stupid bullshit that people don't care about. Specifically about Deborah Stone Cold's wife. Because so much of this story is about her and it's dumb. What? So, at this point in time, 
Stone Cold has been back from from is back. He had a he was out for most of the year 2000 because of because of his neck injury had flared is had uh, flared up. The real tragedy of Stone Cold Steve Austin is before he ever had his moment at WrestleMania 14, he was on a ticking clock the night that uh, Owen Hart broke his neck at SummerSlam in 97. Oh, his time his time in his wrestling career was quickly going to end and he didn't have long left and so in 99 um he his neck was getting too much he needed to take time off to rehab so they wrote an angle where triple h had him run over with a car and then 10 months later they reveal it was in fact not triple h but of course rikishi <laughs> Because they were trying to make Kirkishi a serious main event heel. And no, no one cares about that part. Wait, how? What was the thought process? They took the giant ass man and said, hey, main event. What? Like, I don't know. They saw the potential. Why a like that. of all things? What the shit? Yeah, like, oh, every, like everyone acknowledges it was... Triple H who orchestrated the plot, but every but the only thing people remember about Rikishi besides being obviously an ill-advised heel turn is because he cut a promo explaining and he was like, "I did it for the Rock, I did it for the people," <laughs> and the Rock was like, "I a hundred percent didn't ask you to run over Stone Cold with a car." <laughs> what the shit? What the absolute fuck? It's not a most people do not talk about this. And most people do not, in fact, talk about this part of Rikishi's career. (laughs) I can wow, I wonder why. It's almost like it's fucking stupid. It is. So Steve Austin is back for now, and he has won the Royal Rumble, and now he comes out with his manager and wife, Deborah. Uh, this is a little bit awkward. And I haven't had a good time to talk about this on the show, but I guess I can. I'll do it now. Okay. Uh, this in 2002, Stone Cold was arrested for domestic abuse because of an incident with Deborah. And in fact, in an interview she gave, she revealed that she had been domestically abused by Stone Cold on three separate incidents. Why so, have I never learned about this before? It's one of those things that is not often talked about except to make jokes about it on the internet. Why does this man still have a career? Because arguably, does he though? Does I mean, he's got a, he? He's got a podcast. It's it's one of those things where I once again have to consider how much of a level am I willing to be like I am done with this wrestler forever? Because it's wrestling. Yes. I have yeah. to have a high bar. That's why I haven't really mentioned it before, but like I now have to watch him be the manager, have his wife out there. And I know that he's that this is the wife that he abused. Uh-oh. So it's like, yikes. Yikes. Especially when his character is becoming increasingly paranoid and violent. Not necessarily at her, but just in general. What what were they doing to Stone Cold as a character, dude? That that's what's baffling because, me here. The, the idea from my understanding is that Steve felt that he had kind of done everything he could do as a babyface, and the company had been building new stars in his absence. Uh, so he would he thinks it he thought it was time for a for a heel turn. 
I'll save more of this discussion for when we ever do this arc. But oh no, it was definitely not the time for a heel turn. Would it ever be time for a stone cold heel turn? He's stone cold. Probably not. And yeah, that that seems kind of obvious. Like, sorry, you're not creatively fulfilled, Steve. But I I don't know what to tell you. That's just not a good call from any no perspective. It wasn't. So the reason I bring up this is too much of this story is about Deborah is because Deborah, as I meant, is that Vince to try to drive a wedge between Stone Cold and The Rock. Because remember, at this point in time, both of them are baby faces. Yeah. So it's like, it's more of like, there's a begrudging respect here. Obviously, it's two badasses kicking each other's ass, but there's no real personal tension to it. Yep. So Vince forces deborah to be the rock's manager so and stone cold's like what he gets very mad about this and of course because she also keeps finding her way in danger from the likes of triple h and kurt angle this is just like why are you not taking care of my wife son and the rock is like hey man she's not i don't want her as my manager and she's not my wife she's yours so like this isn't Wait, really my responsibility to take why are triple h and kurt angle trying to hurt deborah because kurt angle is vince's lackey and also he is he is like trying to work his way into the wwf title picture and triple h is of course vince's son-in-law so he so he'll do vince's bidding so this is all being directed by Vince. Okay, fair enough. It's it it is at least encouraged. It Vince is, is compl- like Vince is complicit in this. So like Vince is trying to like Tim Drake, Joker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's doing that by being like, "Hey, you see Stone Cold's wife over there, w- wife and she's she's Rock's manager now, and also." Triple H and uh, Kurt Angle, please murderize her, please. What? Mm-hmm. What is it? And and the worst part is that it clearly ends up working if if Austin just like cleanly healed her. Wow, wow. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Wow. As I said, a significant wow. portion of this storyline is devoted to this moment, along with epic stare downs and finisher stealing. Uh, but the moment that everyone talks about and loves is in the on the last SmackDown before this episode of Raw. There is a sit down interview with The Rock and Stone Cold. It's iconic. It's part of the big video package that everyone loves. And with Jim Ross, and he's asking questions, and The Rock is a little bit dip, more diplomatic. Stone Cold is a little more aggressive, but they are both like the tensions are high. They're looking to they're they're this close to kicking each other's asses. And The Rock talks about how he is going to bring his best at WrestleMania. So if he's going to if Stone Cold's going to beat him, he's going to have to beat him at his best. And Stone Cold, his response was that is that on a personal level, I want to beat you, but on a professional level, I need to beat you, Rock. I need to beat you more than anything you could possibly imagine. They are trying to sell this story that Stone Cold is becoming obsessed with the concept of becoming WWF champion again. They are planting seeds for this fucking heel turn that nobody wants. Okay. I just don't understand what they're trying to go for. 
here? The overarching story is that he is so desperate to become WWF champion again is that Vince Mc that he will take the help of Satan himself, Vince McMahon, if that's what it takes. And so they're and they're pairing that with an increasingly like mentally unstable character and also like the mm -hmm. disrespect of Brock being managed by his yeah. wife, except it was all when done he go by ben. Yeah. Okay. I think I've I, I think there was a story here of the idea of like Stone Cold feels be replaced and he needs to reassert himself as the top dog and he will do anything to do that. But for my for my watching of it, it's not something that is a conscious thing, part of the storyline, subtext or text. So it just feels like me trying to make it sound better in my head. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say like that sounds like it could be compelling but also that's a weird direction to take of all people stone cold steve austin mm -hmm. like where does that come from i don't know like mm -hmm. i don't I, I feel like you could do this but they're better i i mean i haven't seen enough of it so yeah, i guess we'll see what the fuck that looks like yeah uh the next big match at wrestlemania 17 is triple h's match where he takes on the undertaker uh so Ooh. The Triple H, after the it was announced that, you know, Rock and Austin are the main event of Mania, and he's like, but I have uh, beaten both the Rock and Austin, uh, so I should be uh, in the main event of WrestleMania. And then, Under and then Undertaker came out and is like, hey, man, you haven't beaten me, so shut the fuck up. Hey Which is true. They have never had a one-on-one -on -one match on a pay-per-view before. So. Had, had they faced off uh, in like normal tv probably they okay. they ran so many matches you know they probably have wrestled each other before but but this is biker taker by the way dead man is not oh, here it is the it. it is the american badass who oh, rides his God. motorcycle and loves america america this is this is uh undertaker at his most like petit bourgeois capitalist it is, it is undertaker at his most mark calloway he is just playing Mark character. Calloway. It's uh, just it's just Mark Calloway. So after after he's like, yeah, Triple H, you ain't ever beat me though. Triple H took that personally, and uh, they just have been like, had a they've just been beating the shit out of each other on a week to week basis. So you know, Undertaker tried to beat Triple H with a lead pipe, so Triple H and Stephanie got a restraining order on the Undertaker. Jesus, uh, Mark. You don't need to get that wild. I, uh, Undertaker, wow. Undertaker got the match at WrestleMania from <laughs> William Regal. He is the WWF commissioner. I'll talk more about him later. It uh, was it was the Undertaker in the in the backstage locker rooms with a lead pipe. Clue. Yeah, Taker Taker threatens violence against Stephanie to get William Regal to give him a match at Mania. So here we are. What? Wait. What? They couldn't just get the match at Mania. Undertaker's annually performed match at Mania. They couldn't just get it. No, because William Regal is a Vince McMahon stude, so he's not going to give Undertaker Ew. what he wants. So he, so they have, so he has Kane threaten violence against Stephanie because the restraining order is only against the Undertaker. The restraining order says nothing about Kane. So. <laughs> 
So, so, so we're at a point where Taker and Kane are currently getting along. Yes, they're they're the brothers of destruction. They're you know noted baby faces, as I mentioned, as I keep mentioning how threatening Stephanie McMahon with severe physical violence is how they solve problems here. Absolutely. Are we at mask or no mask, Kane? Mask, Kane. Okay. That would have been really funny if we got, like, the two stupidest versions of Taker and Kane at the same time. At the, I don't believe we ever did. I think by the okay, time... Okay, that's, that's good. At least think, they spread out the, the stupid. I think by the time Kane unmasked, him and The Undertaker were not, you know, friends anymore. But was it Dead Man Taker again by the time Kane unmasked, or was it still Mark Calloway? I think there was a small period of time where it would have still been Biker Taker and Unmask Kane. Ugh. Man, that would just be depressing. Yeah, so Kane and Undertaker is set. Kane and Triple H is set for WrestleMania. Now, another match here is for the tag titles. The current tag champions are the Dudley Boys. I don't need to explain them anymore. Oh, God. But they're feuding. Basically, they're in a whole roundabout feud with Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Uh, Dudley's had a tag match against the Hardy Boys on Raw. Hardy's won the tag titles. The Dudley boys were like, okay, cool. I would like my rematch, please. And so they won a rematch. They, uh, I believe Devon beat Christian in a singles match to win this opportunity. Uh, the night of the tag title match, uh, tri- uh, they, the Hardys come out, and then out come Edge and Christian, who are like, yeah, uh, the Dudleys didn't show up. So we're just, we will take the tag title opportunity now. Thank you. And Uh, was any of that for shoot? We'll get to, I'm not done explaining the whole story. And so Edge and Christian win the tag titles with the help of a debuting Rhino from ECW. Oh, Uh, Rhino. Rhino is basically, uh, he is built like a refrigerator and he gores people, which is the spear. He is so, Rhino. So he's just like the Spider-Man character, except maybe he doesn't have like a, a, a horn helmet. Nope. But okay. similar vibe here. But he is okay. he is bros with Edge and Christian now, apparently. They actually apparently. do have some IRL history that is why they did that. But Edge and Christian are the tag titles. And then later in the show, the Dudleys show up and are like, hey, our flight got canceled mysteriously. But we're here now. What? And- and, they're, and they browbeat William Regal into giving them their title match that night. So the same night that ENC won the belts, they have to defend them against the Dudley boys. And then the Dudley boys win the tag belts back with help from Spike Dudley. Another ECW debut. It is their little cousin, Spike Dudley. Was Spike Dudley in ECW uh, a Dudley? Oh yeah, because yes. the Dudleys were ace were were I forgot the Dudleys were in ECW. There's a whole fucking group of Dudleys from ECW. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I'm on the same page now. So now all three of them will be competing at Mania for the tag belts. Okay, that's fucking wild. So all right, so now, all John, of that so all of that was 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 worked then. Yes. Of course, yeah. Okay. The implication is that Edge and Christian canceled the Dudleys' flights to cost oh, their match. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> whoops yeah so now time for the most fucked fucking storyline of this whole segment uh oh, shane mcmahon versus vince mcmahon coming at wrestlemania 
Uh, so way back earlier in the year to understand this is that Linda McMahon, Vince's wife, was the hey. A-Face CEO of the WWF. Oh, hey, and we're at this thing. She appointed Mick Foley as the commissioner of the of the show at the time. And Vince hated nice. Mick Foley in that job because, of course, he did. Of course he did. So what Vince does, Vince, because well, he Mick doesn't Foley's a likable human being. Of course Vince didn't like him. So because Vince hated Linda McMahon's professional decisions as a CEO, he threatens her with a divorce. Oh, and this, no, no. And this causes Linda to have like a nervous breakdown. And she suddenly is like med medicated up and in a near vegetative coma like state. And now she's rolling around in a wheelchair. She's clearly incapacitated from being able to run this company. So Vince McMahon is now back as the CEO of the WWE and kayfabe. And he proceeds to start publicly having an affair with Trish Stratus. Oh, no, no. He made out with Trish in front of Linda. He made Linda watch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, this is so fucking funny given what's happened with Vince McMahon in the past year. Holy shit. Yes. Oh, all my right. God. Oh, that so aged like a fine wine. So all this story, Stephanie is like, what the fuck? You're destroying our family, dad. Also, also, so sorry. One more thing on the fucking hearing about Vince just like on screen making out with Trish Stratus. I can't help but think about when I read, uh, re reading through the Disaster Artist, the book about the making of the room and like, there being a passage about how, like, Tommy Wiseau would just make Juliet Danielle, the, the girl who played Lisa, just, like, make out with him a bunch in rehearsal. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of consent issues with Vince McMahon, who is both the in kayfabe and out of kayfabe. Out of kayfabe CEO, yeah. Boss of all these people, having his women, his female wrestlers in angles where they are forced to be sex do sexual acts with him. There's obviously a lot of consent issues with that. I don't feel like I need to go deep into that problem. Oh my God. But uh, anyway, yeah. so Ugh. Stephanie is ostensibly again is ostensibly against this. She has a match with Trish. Indeed. But then next mat ne on pay-per-view, next night on Raw, it is triple, it is a tag team match between Vince and Trish versus William Regal and Stephanie McMahon. And the match is a big fucking swerve because Vince turns on Trish and Stephanie has been uh, it's a big Stephanie's been doing a long con. They beat the shit out of Trish. They dump a mop bucket on her in live on air. What? And then the next several weeks is filled with Vince denigrating and humiliating Trish Stratus live on air because she can't help but want it. She want because she is a desperate slut. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. If oh, yeah, ever, dude. If you have ever heard of the infamous segment where Tr Trish Stratus is forced to get down on, on her knees and bark like a dog for Vince McMahon. It is in this period I of think, time. I think when we were doing Katie Vick, like they lampshaded that bit. 
probably. I believe they did. I think Christian made a joke crack about it. Wow. But she did it because she just really wants to get back in Vince's good graces. I will go ahead and say right now, this is all setting up a swerve at Mania where she turns on Vince and kicks his, helps Linda kick his ass. Okay, well, that's good at least. Like, that, that's but nice this is the this is the setup we have to watch on air. That's <laughs> horrifying. I don't care if that is part of a swerve. Why the fuck would she denigrate herself like that on live television? Oh my god. Uh, oh, this I, fucking era. Because I guess, because yeah, how much can you really tell the boss no when he says, I, okay, Trish, here's what we're going to do tonight. Is but you're going to get yeah, down. Is what you're going to do is you're going to get down, is you're going to say you really want to say sorry for being a disappointment to me last week. And what then? When I'm going to tell you that you got to really show how much you want it. So what you're going to do is you're going to get down on all fours and I'm going to tell you to bark like a like a dog and say you're sorry. And then you're going to do it. And then I'm going to tell you to strip to your underwear in the middle of the ring. And you're going to do it too. Respectable pitches only here, pal. Okay. <laughs> See, like, to me, the getting down and barking like a dog thing, the fact that they went there for this angle is so insane to me. Because, like, the one time in, like, pop culture I can really think of, like, seeing that is is in this phenomenal Korean movie, Old Boy. Highly recommend checking it out for those of you who, who don't know it. Uh, and it's like this giant, like, revenge thriller. And the, at the end of the movie, the main character's at his very lowest. And he's like, he he is, he's getting down on his knees and, like, barking like a dog at, like, the antagonist because the antagonist has, like, cut him down so much to side. And I just remember it being this, like, fucking harrowing moment of, like, look how far this man has has fallen. And we're just doing that here with Trish Stratus at Vince because we it's it's the it's the early two thousands, baby. Our brand of feminism is in this woman. But then also being like, yeah, rah rah she and Linda are gonna kick Vince's ass collectively in mania, girl power, woo like that 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 is our brand of feminism here. Ain't it ain't it something? We get to have our horribly disgusting cake and eat it. Right. So Shane McMahon uh, has re in the last couple weeks on Raw, he came out and he's like, I've had enough. I've seen enough of this. And so he has come out to, he's like physically fought Vince and he did an interview where he was like, look, I've been sitting on the sidelines for too long and clearly that's my fault. I should have come in sooner to stop this. But dad, yeah, you're yeah, really. You're an embarrassment to this family. True. It is our name. True. And I'm going to kick your ass. Based. And Vin and he challenges him to a match at Mania. And Vince is like, what kind of what kind of son challenges his own father to a match? Uh the base kind, obviously. Yeah. Dude, whatever fucking happened to slimy heel Shane McMahon, who was like his daddy's yes man. This is great. More of this change. He please. actually kind of has a character arc to this. And because he says in this interview, he's like, when I was younger, I looked up to Vince because he could do whatever he wanted and nobody stopped him. Nobody could stop him. <laughs> and um, now I realize that's actually fucking toxic. Yes. He, this is like, and sadly, Shane will go back to being with Vince eventually. But Damn for it. now, Shane's he's having a hell here. of an arc. Shane's not here. He's having a hell of an arc. Uh, so 
he is like, I am going to fight you and to for the dignity of this family. And Vince agrees to the fight. It's a no DQ fight. And we get the hell of a line that he said at the last week on Raw where he had his goons beat the shit out of Shane for him. And he's like, I, reg- I regret your mother giving birth to you. <laughs> Woof. You know, why do I get the feeling this is just the shadow play of what happened with, like, this year's Vince McMahon hush money scandal and being ousted from the company just, like, prefigured 20 years earlier? Why do I get the feeling this is, like, kinda, what it, it feels kind of like the kayfabe version of that story. Yeah. Uh, amazing that that it all actually came true. Who the fuck could have guessed that paragon of morality Vince McMahon would actually ever be like this IRL? Mm-hmm. So then another match set for WrestleMania is China versus Ivory for the women's title. Uh Ivory, I am excited to talk about this. I can tell you that. Oh, Ivory no. is the women's champion, and she is okay. a member of Right to Censor. Now, oh, no. Right to Right to Censor was a group led by Stevie Richards, where basically the WWF was taking pot shots at the parent teacher council, who, as you may expect, does not like WWF TV. Wow, no so, way. The ROTC is a group. It's like it is Stevie Richards, uh, Bull Buchanan, and two guys I'm going to mention in a second, and Ivory, who are all here. They're dressed like Mormons for some reason. And they're like, there is too much filth and sex and violence on this show, and we are going to censor it all. And what I'm hearing is that Trey Parker and Matt Stone clearly stepped into the writer's room to help create this angle. <laughs> And the crowd says, they are essentially a jobber group, to be honest. They just keep getting their asses kicked for the. Wow. I wonder why. I wonder, I wonder why Vince McMahon wants to, wants to depict them solely as muling pencil necks. Yeah. The fun, here's a fun thing though, is they, they take a couple of their members are them intentionally trying to like curtail what they would consider offensive gimmicks. That is why the other members of their group are the good father, the former godfather who has repented from his days as a pimp. What? And and Val Venus, who has repented from being a porn star. Wait, wait. Okay, wait. No, 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 no. Back this up. I I need to get a handle on this. Is this not pre Katie Vick? Oh, it is. So the Godfather will cycle back around to it when this whole RTC thing is over and we want fun, okay. haha references. <laughs> but for the time, what? he has the seen the light, he has seen the truth, and he recognizes the evil of his former profession. Mm, does he now? Yes, so he is the good father, and mm-hmm. Val Venus is as well for the same reason. Does Val Venus get a new clever name or is he still as Val Venus? I think some, I think he, I don't remember if he, if this is when he changes to his real name is Sean Morley, but I do know that he is, I think he's still Val Venus here, but he is the, no longer the, an adult the good father and, 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 and Val, we couldn't think of a, a clever spin on his name, Venus. Yes, correct. 
Okay. So Ivory, the most competent member of this group, uh, <laughs> is the women's champion. And she, back in the Royal Rumble season, uh, she had accidentally uh, broken China's neck. And she and China is back now. And she's like, it, China's like, China wants a rematch. Well, she'll get it, except if she signs an agreement that if she gets re-injured at Mania, then I hold no legal responsibility for it. And China was like, and China was like, okay, I accept. I'm going to kick your ass in Mania. I'm going to murderize you. All right. Now, uh, a a match that has been announced for Mania is Eddie Guerrero versus Test for the European Championship. Uh, During the series of episodes I was watching, there was a whole arc about the dissolution of the Radicals that I, you know, Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Perry Saturn. I mentioned them when we did the episode with Mae Young's hand. Uh, (laughs) As the the group is dissolving into tension and Benoit and Guerrero were coming to blows. So obviously they have the blow off match two weeks before mania and they don't do any. And instead Eddie Guerrero randomly starts a feud with test for the European title. What? Obviously. Obviously. How long was the radicals a thing for? About a year. About a year, a year's worth of story. And we're just gonna blow it off two weeks before Mania because fuck you. Yeah, that makes sense. Good, good, bu- good booking. Good booking. Best booking on this show. Of course. Uh, then at Mania we have Kane versus Raven versus the Big Show for the WWF Hardcore Title. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this, which the matches are all hardcore matches. That's the rule. Uh, that's, the, that's the rule. The, the champion was the Big Show, having beaten Raven for the belt at No Way Out, the most recent pay-per-view. Probably for uh, the but best. then, as part, uh, kind of as part of the Taker and Triple H beef, Kane and the Big Show kind of wound up in that stratosphere. Okay. And so, uh, Big Show, like Big Show, attacked Kane. Kane cost Big Show the hardcore title match against Ray against Raven, so Raven won the belt back. Oof. And then so. Regal set up Kane versus the Big Show at Mania. Now, last set, the last episode of SmackDown I watched, uh, Raven had a match with Jericho. I'll explain more about why that would be the case in a minute. Okay. So, Rave, he has the match with Jericho, and in and he wins, but he accidentally and Regal tries to interfere to help Raven, but Raven accidentally takes out Regal instead. And so Regal is like, you know what? Fuck you. You're going to put your hardcore title. You're going to be inserted into this Kane versus Big Show match at WrestleMania. And your hardcore title is going to be on the line. Oh, wow. So so just everyone's saying fuck you. Everyone's saying fuck you. Yeah. So now the last match set up for Mania is Chris Jericho versus William Regal for the Intercontinental title. Jericho is the Intercontinental Champion. Regal was inserted as the WWF Commissioner. And Re- and Jericho was like, I sure hope you're not a Vince McMahon toady. And William Regal would proceed to be exactly what Chris Vince Jericho McMahon thought toady. he would. He Man, would be. You're totally you're hey, you're you're totally not a cop, right? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Freeze, motherfucker. Like, like Regal is good in this role, but he is every heel general manager trope ever. So I'm not going to go deep into it. Uh, 
Uh, but Jericho takes really such a disservice by making you know, Cody. Oh God. Chris Jericho decide Chris Jericho uh, makes it his personal mission as, as a baby face now to be like, fuck you G- heel general manager and heel general manager is like, I'm going to be shit to you in particular. Man, the true job. I, I think few people have yo-yoed their, their alignment more in pro wrestling than Chris goddamn Jericho. That man, like, flips on a dime between being this, like, virtuous paragon of the industry to being like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, murder everyone and cheat about everything. And I'm going to no, be a total I, jackass. Yeah, like, just, he, like, he goes from reveling, like, like knowing that he's a piece of shit and reveling in it to being like, I am a pious man. No temptation can stray me from the path of God. <laughs> so... Jericho Regal sets the match and probably the most infamous thing in this whole angle that any, it's the only, I think it's the only thing even worth mentioning about it is uh, there is a backstage segment where Chris Jericho gets into Regal's office while Regal is out of the office and Jericho pisses in Regal's tea. Oh, Hey, this angle. And then Regal tape drinks the tea and Michael Cole, that fucking snitch tells regal about it in a backstage interview oh wow why so that he knows he drank piss tea. he drank piss tea fucking ultimate shitster michael cole get get out of here wait wait hold up this is so funny to me because they were running like the, you know jericho appreciation society and blackpool combat club and awr it locked in a forever feud and uh Fucking... They're drawing too much ratings, David. They can't turn it away. No, I love the Forever Feud. I don't. I say that with no derision. I unironically love the Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society Forever Feud. It makes me so happy because it, it just like the dynamics will never get old. I love that shit unironically. Mm-hmm. But like, as part of that, they did like Regal and Jericho like fucking hating each other. But it's you know. Regal is like the valiant, like head of the BCC versus ultimate shit heel Chris Jericho, and they talk about the T piss thing, but the roles were reversed when that happened. Jericho was the baby face. Yeah, it was ha God ha damn. ha ha. It was ha ha. Look, let's make fun of the ba- of the bad guy having to drink piss. You can you, you can get away with anything as a baby face. Two thousand one edition. Absolutely. Goddamn. Yeah, I guess last thing I want to mention is I think you'll find the commentary team interesting. Okay. As right now, the commentary team is Jim Ross and Paul Heyman. Okay. Because first of all is... uh, WWF is a few months is a few weeks back. Uh, WWF fired the cat. Uh, the cat was a female wrestler, I suppose, who is famous for exactly two things: one, going topless on a pay per view in the year two thousand, and being married to Jerry Lawler. So, the cat gets fired. Uh-oh. And Jerry Lawler quit in solidarity. <laughs> Squad W Jerry Lawler? 
Don't worry, he'll divorce from her in like eight months and beg for his job back. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he, he's like, hmm, happy fulfilling marriage, career where I sexually harass people. Career where I sexually harass people. <laughs> yeah, so Lawler is gone from the company and brought in instead is old Paul Heyman. Because Oh basically let's 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 check out ecw's timeline right now yeah, uh, wait. EC, ecw is a company still legally exists mm -hmm. but they haven't run a show since january oh no because they are broke uh -huh. and they are going to going bankrupt soon uh -huh. and so paul Heyman jumped out of that ship and he's just took the job at the fed <laughs> he, he had that emergency parachute ready to fucking go as he jumped out of that crashing plane and he allegedly did not inform any of the wrestlers that by the way this company's going bankrupt soon yeah, why so would i'm not i'm not paying y'all shit wow why would he i don't know i assume some sort of professional courtesy but you know <laughs> all of you know. to that yeah. professional courtesy speaking of professional courtesy i want to go ahead and i we've talked about how he basically owes everyone and their mother money from ecw i want to i actually pulled up to get the timeline right i pulled up the wikipedia page for ecw today and they happen to have a lot of information about the company's financial situation at the time it uh at the time of uh it going under so oh, I'm just oh, yeah. going to go ahead and, and uh, read this off to you. The company was listed as having assets totaling $1,385,500. Included in that number was $860,000 in accounts receivable. So for people who don't know what that is because they are not accounting people like me, <laughs> accounts receivable is literally just money that is owed to you but is yeah. reasonably assumed that you will get that money yes you, I do remember you that don't from my accounting but you don't have it so it is concerning that mo the majority of the assets of this company are debts owed <laughs> <laughs> uh hmm interesting Anyway, back to eight eight hundred sixty thousand in accounts receivable owed the company by In Demand Network for pay per view, a claim for the video games, and original San Francisco toy company for action figures. The balance of the assets were the ta videotape library at five hundred thousand dollars, a nineteen ninety eight Ford truck worth nineteen thousand five hundred dollars, and the remaining inventory of merchandise. Four dollars. Uh, the oh, liability, no. the, li the liabilities of the company totaled eight million eight hundred eighty-one thousand four hundred thirty-five dollars and seventeen cents. Wrestlers and talent were listed with amounts owed ranging from two dollars for Sabu and Steve Carino to hundreds what? and, in some cases, thousands of dollars. The uh, highest amounts owed to talents were Rob Van Dam, $150,000. Shane Douglas, $145,000. Tommy Dreamer, $100,000. Joey Styles, $50,480. Joey. 
Rhino, $50,000, and Francine Fournier, $47,275. So you might say ECW was a little bit in the red. Very in the red. Little, and, this little is why, and this is why damn near every person who has ever worked for ECW has, I, I will say, m- mixed feelings about Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Yeah, I know. Hey, that, 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 that's always what I think about is like the fact that like Rey Mysterio, who strikes me as the biggest cinnamon roll in the universe, probably also fucking hates Paul Heyman. Like getting imagine imagine being such a dipshit that you get Rey Mysterio to like have a bone to pick with you. Oh, yeah. So good. Fucking Paul. Carney's gonna Carney. Carney's gonna Carney. So, yeah, that is all to say that Paul Heyman has bounced on ECW. They will not officially go bankrupt for He's a few more weeks. He's still, he is where he wears ECW merch at the announce table. What the fuck? What is his angle here? He reps ECW knowing that he is about to bankrupt. The this company is bankrupt company and is about to be. To go down out of business. I guarantee you that's all the safe face with like the the talent that he owed money to. Of like, oh no, guys, we're totally fine. See, I'm ripping the merchandise. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm sure, I'm sure when a bunch of them get hired for the invasion angle, that was also his argument. <laughs> hey, look, see, see we're all I got good. you guys, I got you guys jobs. I got you guys jobs. All debts are paid. Right? Christ. So that for, when that first paycheck hits, that comes out of the debt owed to you for me, you see. Yeah. <laughs> so really, if anything, I should be getting this money. <laughs> you think about it. That's some, I'm sure Heyman could have tried to finagle accounting like that, if he could have. <laughs> I am the Heyman, and you will obey me. <laughs> So Heyman's at the announce desk. Uh, famously, this re- this did not last very long because yeah, I wonder Paul why. Ha- because Paul Heyman has a phenomenal ability to make everyone he has ever interacted with for any lengthy period of time hate him, <laughs> and both in kayfabe and out. And it is not. It is. It is fair to say that Jim Ross hated working with Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman made it his personal mission. To as part of the haste, the face heel dynamic, make Jim Ross annoyed. Yeah, that is that is what you tend to do. True, but, but I'm he, sure he took it way too fucking far. Yes, he needled Jr. in a way that Lawler never did, and so Jim Ross hated his fucking job when he had to work with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was one of I fucking hate Lawler. Like, I will give, I will give him that. Like, he and Lawler, he and Jr. had like playful banter. Like, they had a dynamic going where mm-hmm. it was, it was almost like a, a less antagonistic, like proto gorilla, uh, mm-hmm. Heenan, where you know, fucking, uh, 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 good old King would say something ridiculous, and Jr. would be like, oh, well, come, come. Come on now, King. Is that really necessary? And Jerry would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, oh, like, and, that, and that, that'd be it. I'm sure Heyman took that shit ran way too goddamn far and actually pissed JR off. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I just felt it'd be interesting for you to know. The commentary team's a little unusual from for So tonight. what I'm hearing right now, we 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 took a decent chunk, about an hour here to say like everything's kind of fucking wild right now. Mm-hmm. Like everything mm-hmm. is wild. Nothing is normal. Vince is simulcasting on Nitro. Uh Stone Cold's about to turn heel. Uh, the only somewhat normal thing is, like, I don't know, Trips versus Taker is coming up. We have, like, Blame Canada Mc, as... as, McMahon, as McMahon, McMahon family drama is actually compelling. McMahon family drama is actually compelling, and, like, not all of them are awful people this time, and a majority, actually a majority of them are good people. Kind of, maybe, sort of. Uh, uh, half of them are. You know, Shane and Linda are, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Shane is Shane is actually likable for once. Uh, uh, Blame Canada is just has has an on screen personality, um, mm-hmm. uh, and goddamn Paul Heyman is is running commentary. Cat, cats and dogs living together, total pandemonium. Yep. And so, if you'd like to watch this along with us, well, WWE has a streaming service. It's called Peacock. Hey, <clears throat> fuck Peacock. Yeah, five, five, nine, five, nine, four, nine, nine a month with ads. Nine, nine, nine a month without ads. Yada, yada, yada. Let's get on with it. Uh, we will be back talking about the March 26, 2001 episode of Monday Night Raw. Hell yeah. And we are back. Uh, we have finished the March 26, 2001 episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Wow. I don't... I don't even know how to... What to... Why the... Yeah. Austin, what... What was going on in 2001 that did this to this company? Because everything we've seen from around that time, and hell, from fucking WCW too, everything, everything is stupid, Austin. Everything is really stupid. And I can't, it's a level of stupid that I legitimately can't wrap my head around. Like, this is, this is both, this is WWF being a parody of itself unironically this whole thing is wwf being a giant parody of itself and boy howdy can i understand why a whole fucking bunch of people got turned off to the show in this era because this is just stupid and how did the company even get here and furthermore how did it survive well i think it got here because uh vince russo uh his philosophies blew up the company in 97 and 98. And even after he left, WWE kept trying to repeat the formula to varying degrees of success. So I feel like that's, I feel like a lot of Vince Russo's philosophies about wrestling are still here, even if his crass bullshit is not. I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah, that's probably, that's, that's probably some of it, but, like, how do you not, like, well, okay, I was gonna say, how do you not take a step back and realize, man, this is getting really off the rails, but then I realized, oh, yeah, it was, the formula was still working, and they were still making it was. ass loads of money. 
this is the period of time, and I will go deeper into that one of these things in a bit. There's a lot this of is, like going. They are currently dumping so much. They have so much fuck money. They are dumping money into a football league and a Times Square restaurant. Oh, the fucking. So, oh, we'll get to the XFL. So, like, they don't give a fuck. Everything is hitting. They can do whatever they it's, want. It's so wild to me. And and the fans who were here, like, were had drank the Kool-Aid so hard. I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later, too. But, like, this episode illuminated for me, I think, more than anything we've watched before, where, like, a certain breed of wrestling fan was born from. And it's the kind, it's the breed of wrestling fan that is really good at getting me fucking tilted online. <laughs> so we open this show with Vince backstage. He has got a CRTV on to show Raw and a CRTV on to show Nitro. God, I want to smack him so fucking bad already. Oh, you smarmy piece of shit. And Vince announces to the world that he is now the owner of WCW and he has purchased his competition. Oh, isn't that just great? And, and he's, tonight, he's sitting he's sitting at these two monitors and like watching the both shows simulcast in his room and he's like comparing them in the most ugh, way possible. I, I meant to I meant to like try to catch what he was says but every single time we got back to him watching nitro he takes little digs at wcw wrestlers yeah when, which because is now they are his employees and he can and he's gloating like a bitch he is but he says that tonight that he has the ability to address the wwf fans the wcw wrestlers and the wcw fans about what this all means Vince <laughs> and one and, one man will make history, and that's me. And what it all means is all of you go fuck yourselves. Right. So at this point in the show, I believe it was still the case where Nitro was airing from 8 to 10 and Raw was airing from 9 to 11. Okay. So WCW is in the middle of their show. Yeah. Uh, when as this start as Raw starts, and at, as the show opens, Jeff Jarrett is on screen. And who boy, I feel like I have to explain this one because it probably feels weird. To but Please. Vince McMahon in direct, absolutely more than most WCW wrestlers hated Jeff Jarrett, and was why because last time Jeff Jarrett was in the company uh, in '99, I want to say is when this all. All this all it was either 90 yes 99 i believe is when this all blew up is he was in a intercontinental title feud with china jeff jarrett was throwing a hissy fit about having to put over a woman yeah. and it kind of all it all blew up to where uh jeff jarrett threatened to walk out on vince if he didn't give him if he didn't pay him a bonus or something he basically held up Vince for money live on a show, Jesus. and it and and after the show, Vince fired him immediately. And so Vince is particularly Jesus. feeling petty to old Jeff Jarrett. Jesus Christ! Okay. 
Very few wrestlers come back from, well, I, why did I say very few come back from holding up Vince? Because the two biggest examples of most, two of the three most famous examples do come back. The Ultimate Warrior came back and Jeff Jarrett has done come back. So never mind what I was. Yeah, and Ultimate Warrior was, was another holding him up live on TV thing too, wasn't he? He was. He threatened to uh, not wrestle the SummerSlam 1991 main event. And because he felt he wasn't being paid appropriately paid Hulk Hogan money. And yeah. so Vince is like, okay, sure, pal, you can have what you want. Go wrestle the match. Warrior wrestled the match. He came Amazing. right back. He's like, you're fucking fired. Yep. Yep. Get out. Oh, God. That is, but that is like one of the biggest cardinal sins that you could do against Vince McMahon is hold him up, is hold up his show. <laughs> like Dario Cueto could learn a lesson or two from Vince. Possibly. So he sees Jeff Jarrett. He's like, oh, Jeff Jarrett spells his name. Well, he can spell it differently now. I believe I wrote this right. I think G- I wrote, yeah. double O, double N, double E, gone. Gone. Uh, yes, so. Goonie. Goonie is Jeff Jarrett's new name, and it's pronounced gone. <laughs> yes. What? Uh, then we get the goods, the drugs, if ever to it writes a different run. Toss it, but in your eye. That's the right one. Sorry. They all bleed together in my mind. I wonder why. I'm already sensing a pattern. Uh, uh, yeah, who, but so should we get the show be... proper. Heyman and JR are here, and Heyman is uh, going off. He's Heymaning right? all over the place, man. He opens with, the war is finally over, and Vince McMahon is the victor. Tonight is his victory celebration. And JR's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Please shut up, Paul. You know, Paul, I really don't like this. Please stop this. So we open the show with Kurt Angle coming out to do a promo. Yeah, uh, and the TLDR is that he's very salty about having a Mania match, uh, to which my response was, he's a bad guy, uh, and, he see, and he's in good with, like, the top bad guys who run the company. Why hasn't Regal just hooked him up? That's a good question. Because Kurt says, it's amazing how everyone is giddy about the big news. And he admits, it's pretty shocking. And that big news is, is that your Olympic hero doesn't have a match, an opponent for WrestleMania. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, fuck you. Hardy, har, hard. Do you get it? It's a subversion because you think he would be talking about the WCW thing. Yeah. Ha, and ha. Kurt Angle is furious, outraged. What kind of world is it where the gobbledygooker has a match at Mania, but he doesn't? Yeah, okay. Help me out of here, buddy. Please. Okay, Go- the, the gobbledy. Let's start with the gobbledygooker, and then I'll talk about why he's at WrestleMania. So, in fall of 1990, they are WWF is doing a gimmick leading into Survivor Series where there's a big egg on the show, and they don't know when it's going to hatch, and they don't know what's going to come out of the egg, but we are building anticipation. And... The A on Survivor Series 1990, which is a reminder, airs on Thanksgiving. Uh, The egg opened, the egg hatches, and it is a man in a turkey suit. What? And he dances around with mean Gene Okerlund, and he is called 
the gobbledygooker. What? Wait, wait, why is Mean Gene here? Why is Mean Gene... Uh, because uh, Mean uh, Gene is the, in, the on the on-field reporter on the scene of this fucking egg. And Mean Gene consented to, to the turkey man dancing with him. Yes. Because why? Mean Gene was always up for anything. I, I mean, I guess... Mean Gene always so took me as a classy guy, but okay. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you know, if you want to make fun of the golden age of WWE, you know, the gobbledygooker is a good place to start. It's big old stupid. We got to appeal to the kids. <laughs> Crap. Uh, okay. I don't think anyone ever wrestled the gobbledygooker. Thank fuck. Yeah. <laughs> then wait, what was the point? I think. I don't. I think they just want him as a mascot character. I don't. I don't know if they want him. Ah, uh, yes, the WWE's mascot, the Turkey Man. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> what? Wow! It's the. 90s. I have, in fact, implied it was, it was a not idea. a good idea. That's a shocker. I'm. I, for one, am surprised that the Gobbledygooker did not make great returns on investment. Right, so at WrestleMania 17, I guess they already announced this, is the gimmick Battle Royal, which was basically a how many old farts from the 90, from the early, mid to like the 80s and early 90s can still wrestle, theoretically wrestle a match and is it in WCW. Dude, so, Sheik was here. Sheik was on the card. Fun fact, he wins the gimmick battle royal because he is physically incapable of taking the bump needed to be eliminated from a battle royal. What the fuck? His, ba his back is so fucked that he couldn't possibly bump to just get thrown out of the ring, so Sheik just wins. That's sick. Dude, I love Sheik so fucking So yeah, right now, for, scheduled for WrestleMania 17 is just an assortment of of 80s goofball gimmick characters for nostalgia popping. Hey, hell, don't they, you, they don't even you they even bring boy. back Bo they even bring in Bobby Heenan to do commentary with Mean Gene on this match in particular. No way, dude. Dude, that's so, so that, sick. It is. It's a fun match. Uh but that, back, is, that, that, that sounds legitimately great. So back at, at Raw here, Kurt's mad that the gobbledygooker has a match and he doesn't. And Kurt, said, Kurt said, fuck this turkey man and fuck his mascot status. That that should have been me coming out of that egg. <laughs> he wishes. He wishes. He's like, he's like that, that egg spot was a good spot. It should have been your Olympic hero. Absolutely. Should have been hatching from that egg. So he basically says the only thing that keeps him going, he consoles himself with, is that he knows that he is the best wrestler in the world and he is the only gold medalist in WWF history. So he's like, I guess I can live with that. But he I, I will continue protesting. Someone, someone else in WWE history who won like a really obscure gold medal for something super fucking random and just be like, hey, fuck you. That'd be hilarious, but I don't think there are any other gold medalists. I'm sure there's I, a gold. It doesn't have to be an Olympic gold medal, but a gold medal for something at some point in their lives. True. Uh, he says he will continue protesting and complaining until the WWF finds an opponent for him. 
And oh no, out comes Chris Benoit with a live microphone. Yeah, good old Benny Ben is stepping up to the This is truly my second biggest nightmare about Chris Benoit. A live promo. (laughs) Coming out with a live mic. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, he's got to talk. Yeah, so Benoit says he's got good news and he's got bad news. The good news is that he doesn't have an opponent at WrestleMania just like Kurt. And the bad news is he does not have an opponent at WrestleMania just like Kurt. Oh, wow. I wonder. And he said, and he, and he goes up to Kurt and he says, that's right. I'm here to challenge the gobbledygooker. <laughs> ben, that would have been a hell of a swerve. He's like, I'm going to fight the gobbledygooker. That would, have been, that would have been amazing. And, you know, I still would have fucking hated Benoit, but he would have gained a tiny bit of respect for me from doing that. I want to fight Tugboat. I want to f- I want to go I want to go tag team with the Iron Sheik against that that Jabroni Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Absolutely. Make him humble. Uh but it, Kurt Chris Benoit says he's he's had to listen to Kurt Angle whine and complain and bitch and moan for a week and it annoys him. But what annoys him more? is that Kurt claims that he's the best wrestler in the WWF. And Benoit assures Kurt that if he gave him a little bit of his time, he'd make Kurt tap like the bitch that he is. Ah! And Kurt is like, oh, oh yeah, huh? Oh, yeah, you would? Well, he's, he's tired of carrying Benoit, and he has bad news and worse news. The bad news is he accepts the challenge. And the worst news is he will never tap to that stupid crossface thing. He is, now, of course, referring to Benoit's move, the Crippler crossface. Now, now, Kurt Angle uh, is employing a sound strategy here, where the, uh, as as the numbers prove, when you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastic go down. So, really, Benoit's doing himself here. Oh, but you see, it, normally in a one-on-one match, you do have a 50-50 chance of winning, of course. Indeed, indeed, but indeed. I think you, we need to consider that Benoit is not normal. <laughs> true! That is, this is true. Many people are saying this. Right. So Kurt says that he could make Benoit squeal, and if he thinks otherwise, prove it. They start brawling. They try to hit, get each other in. Angle Goat tries to put... Uh, Benoit in the ankle lock, but Benoit turns it around on him, gets him in the cross face, and of course, Kurt Angle taps out. Starts starts tapping, even though there's no ref there to release him. He's like, ah, mommy, mommy, please uh, also, let me shout, out. Shout out to like when they're rolling, they were like throwing some fists, and I gotta say that was like one of the better fist spot I've seen in all of wrestling. Like it kind of looked like they were just like legitimately decking each other, each other, and like. The way Kurt Angle kind of like recoils back into the the ring ropes, it lo- it it was a really solid sell. I gotta give him that. Yeah, they can work some punches now. Damn, I uh, who know who knows if that was work? Maybe they were just fucking punching each other. I wouldn't be surprised. Who, it, it's Chris Benoit. They could have been throwing. Chris Benoit, <laughs> he is not normal. Um, but yeah. So Edge and Christian come out to kick Benoit's ass. Oh, and oh save wait, 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 before, uh, but before, before we get to to the Edge and Christian thing showing up, um, on commentary, something I I noticed 
was uh, JR goes, um, sounds like Ben was calling an angle. And Heyman replies with, that's not what it sounds like. It's actually happening. And already I can see why JR fucking hates him because, no. because goddamn Heyman is over here just making commentary out of, um, actually. Yeah, he is always. Uh, the most asinine shit, too. Like, what? Heyman, why the Heyman always has with, to get the last word. Like, no, it doesn't sound right. like it. it actually is. That is meaningless. That is, Heyman, that is nothing. That's nothing, Heyman. That's nothing. Like, Heyman heard you're supposed to be an annoying heel commentator, and he's like, got it. <laughs> I know what to do here. Yeah, no. He's, he's, he. He's like, you know what Haywood was like? He's like, well, it's fortunate for me because I'm already annoying. I'm, an, uh, I'm already an annoying piece of shit. I'll just be me. Pretty much, yeah. And JR's like, would you please stop that? And 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 Haywood's like, oh, I have to do the bit. Yeah. Yeah. So Edge and Christian come out. Yeah, they they put the boots to Benoit and get Kurt out of there because they are they have a pre-established friendship. So that is where that ends off. And we cut back to Trish Stratus now sitting on the couch with Vince. Mm -hmm. uh, they are watching Nitro. Apparently, I, I, I guess he turned off the WWF feed. It doesn't look like he's watching two TVs now. And Vince yeah, he's gets. Just, he's just tuned in to, to WCW. He's like, ah, oh, this, this fucking show. I hate it so much. Continues to like. Vin Vince, like that one fan into December of 2001, would rather be watching Nitro. <laughs> ha! Vince would rather be that. Get that shit on a shirt. Vince would. Ra I'd rather be watching Nitro. Vince would fan 2001. Like I said, I have always, I have thought, I have had the very amusing thought before of Vince. Now that he's retired, actually getting a chance to watch WCW and being like, "Well, well, holy shit, WCW was good." <laughs> I, I, I trash-talked them all these years. I, said, I told my whole uh, fans for years. Okay. It sucked. Bold, bold of you to assume that Vince is principled enough to ever admit that even to himself. That's bold fair, of you to assume. A, but it is a fun visual idea. Vince Vince would be uh, Vince would be sitting there watching, like, the, the fucking um, – the, the – the best of like the the early NWO stuff, and he just is sitting there like, "This is so stupid. This is trash. Why are they even doing this? What is that? Why are tears falling down my face? And why do I feel a, a deep sense of of empty disappointment in myself?" <laughs> <laughs> so but they get, Trish and Vince are sitting backstage. Uh, Vince gets on the phone to just shit talk N Nitro to Stephanie. But yeah. we learned that Stephanie and Triple H are on a vacation. So they they're, are yeah, not they're here. Me too, which, okay. Stephanie is not here! Stephanie's Hunter not here! Is not here. I love how he I love how he calls him Triple H on the phone too. He's like, "You and Triple H go back to having a great vacation." Like, make sure that we, the fans, know who he's talking about. Yeah. If well, look if, the, if he says Paul, the fans are going to be like. Who? But if he Ooh. says Triple H is on vacation, the fans are going to go, ah! Oh, he means Triple H. Ah! Okay. 
And Vince reiterates the ta- announced tag main event of uh, Steve Austin and The Rock versus Kane and Undertaker. That was already announced earlier in the show. And I wrote, Trish feeds uh, Vince a strawberry. Great. Oh, oh, not just any strawberry. There's strawberries that are, like, smothered in, like, precariously spiraled whipped cream uh, that, like despite how precarious that whipped cream looked on them, managed to stay on pretty solidly. I was kind of impressed with whoever was doing the catering work that night, but man, is it still disgusting. Yep. So we cut, uh, we cut now to outside of Stone Cold Steve Austin's locker room and Deborah comes out of the locker room and Michael Cole (laughs) tries to ask her a question about Stone Cold's demeanor, but she doesn't want to talk about it right now. Not a good time. She's like, oh man, do I have to talk about that piece of shit again? Her her entire way of portraying I am conflicted about Steve Austin and The Rock is I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that Deborah Austin would have been a great cast member in The Room, where literally every <laughs> time they need to move on to they, they, the characters are feeling conflicted about anything, the answer is I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy was so was taking notes. So after uh, that, we get the first. Well, I guess I'll call it a match. Not, well, there are officially six matches on this show, but uh, the first match is it's Taz and Taz is here. Okay, okay. This was an experience because Taz comes out and Taz like and Taz's entrance music has like. Hospital it starts with like a, it rate. starts yeah it starts with a heart rate monitor and then yeah and then the RTC comes out and they're just their 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 music is noise it's just noise like they're on some weird art house shit where like someone makes a bunch of really obnoxious sounds they're like this is music and if you don't get it then you're a troglodyte who doesn't understand culture the the entire jo- RTC's music is literally just loud blaring sirens because they're like nobody wants to hear this so boo them. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get, I get the joke is like, oh, it's it's noises that are loud enough to censor other people, but like, <laughs> but it is Taz and Val Venus in a I think lumberjack match and the lumberjack is that what it is. I, they kept talking about the APA as lumberjacks, so I think that's what it was. It's a lumberjack match where the lumberjacks are all rest, wrestlers who are friends with the two wrestlers in the ring, because it's the rest of the RTC and then Taz, had, then the APA uh, and Jacqueline come out to help. Dude, the fucking Taz. APA. It's so wild seeing like old JBL with the APA after seeing him in his dumb fucking Reaganite shtick because and now like, they, they this is back when he made his whole gimmick I'm gonna sit backstage uh drink play poker and, and whoop people's asses and everyone is gonna love it you know replace that, replace that poker with euchre and actually sounding joining the APA doesn't sound like that bad a deal with me hmm no they're pretty cool they just show up and kick people's asses. The end. <laughs> Who needs anything and more like, complicated? Pretty much. We love we look, we love our mercenary our fighting mercenaries and our fighting companies. Okay, that's a formula that will never get old. Um Yeah. yeah. So 
almost immediately. Like I think Sean, I think uh, Val Venus like does like one move to Taz that puts him into the rope so that Goodfather can hit Taz in the face. But then Taz immediately just locks in the Taz mission or the or the by its proper name the Katahajime. I'm still and, not over the good father. And then immediately all of the guys start running in and brawling with each other. And Pretty much. Yeah. That's, the thing. That's why I got confused. Because it just gets out of control like immediately. And, th- and then it's done. And then it's just done. Uh, and then it ends up where Taz is down and Valvinus goes to the top rope. But he misses and I the money shot, which I was thought it was very amusing that despite his gimmick change here, his finisher is still called the money shot. <laughs> well, yeah. Like this is real. This is real. This is this is very John Cena still does the five knuckle shuffle energy. <laughs> not not having not having to change his name was hard enough. Having to change his uh his the name of his finisher would just be Way too much. You had to leave both that shit untouched, okay? Valvina's I kind of want. I kind of want to believe in kayfabe. Stevie Richards doesn't know what a money shot is, so he didn't question it. <laughs> like he understands that. Yeah. Well, Valvina is, is the world's biggest virgin. Um, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He knows yeah, that Valvina's no. does porn, and that's bad. But he doesn't know porn terms. <laughs> Stevie Richards backstage like porn is porn is bad, okay. Don't, okay. don't actually do don't actually be important, okay? Okay. It's 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 bad, okay? Yeah, okay. Uh so Val <laughs> misses the money shot and then Taz hits him with a Northern Lights su- bridging suplex and that's it. That Fuck yeah, you. That, that's the whole not, match. Yeah, no, the okay, so the RTC here are first of all. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because they're still wrestlers. But when you described RTC to me, I imagine them being like a lot lankier and a lot more like pe- looking like legit pencil neck geeks. These look like a bunch of Mormons who like got super bored on their mission trip and got like insanely jacked and then thought it would be cool if they like ripped all their sleeves off their shirts. Like these guys yeah. are just that these are not like, okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say these are not, like, PTA parents because, like, what the fuck. But then I remembered the type of dad who makes his whole personality out of, like, being vaguely ripped, owning a gun, and being extremely weirdly possessive of his daughter. And I'm like, actually, no, this tracks perfectly. Uh, the These are definitely, these, these could definitely be PTA parents who are just, like, heads so far up their own asses that they think they're, like, the coolest motherfuckers in the yeah. Despite the fact they're getting squashed by Taz in all five seconds. Yeah, it was a match, I guess. Um, I suppose it was a it was a match. It was nominally a match. Whatever you sure, feel like, I'm sure it's only going up. Matches. It's only going up from here. I have a thing to say about the matches, but I'll say that for whenever you feel like ranting about the matches here mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, but we cut back to Vince watching Nitro again with Trish, and this time Regal is here as well because uh, he has a match to get ready for later, and they just continued to shit-talking some WCW wrestlers. Okay. I fucking love Regal. Um, mm-hmm. And then Regal uh, leaves, and uh, 
Vince starts like sensually rubbing Trish's arm. Like great. yes. Oh, also sidebar. I mentioned this to you. Is it just me? Or does Young Regal look a little bit like MJF? Like, there's something about him that feels MJF-y. I don't know. I'm, I'm, like I'm missing it. I have to... Like, I don't know. Like, the eyes are a little sunken in a similar way, and the heads are... I don't know. There's something about him. Maybe it's just that I've watched, like, the, the Regal MJF promo recently now, and I'm like seeing i'm feeling a connection between the two but like there there's something there to me anyway uh but yeah so uh also before you get too fucking farther into the actual content of the show xfl i absolutely wrote this down to make sure is an xfl commercial okay so time for some backstory on the xfl because i guarantee i've never mentioned it before XFL, It it is it is very much a spring of 2001 thing only so because <laughs> it was X- just that successful right so the xfl was wwe feeling vince mcmahon wanting to expand beyond wrestling because i've talked <laughs> about it before that With vince tried fucking so fucking league. hard to be successful at something anything besides professional wrestling it's so funny to me how vincent k mcmahon like seems to have a passing contempt for the very thing upon which he built his empire. Like, he I, always seems vaguely discontent with his position. It's so funny. To, it's, I don't love psychoanalysis too much psychoanalysis here, but it absolutely feels like Vince wants to be mainstream famous, and he's never going to get the respect he feels he deserves in wrestling. Oh, Vince very clearly... Look... I try not to armchair, but fuck Vince. He deserves this. Vince very clearly wanted to be a WWF wrestler. And then he did actually, that's, that is a hundred percent factual. His dad refused to let him. I, I I was pretty sure that was legit. Um, and then he very, there's like, especially after probably seeing like some of his stars who got more mainstream appeal, especially Hogan. Like he then sees that and like almost, I, I have no doubt, like, kind of resented that he couldn't have been the guy that was a giant, like, WWF wrestler and catapulted into the mainstream. And so, like, that's why everything is the way it is. Like, he wanted... Th- that. That's, that's why he, like, made the McMahon family drama front and center of the WWF at every possible moment he could. That's why he put his dumb fucking face all over everywhere and tried to do dumb spinoffs, like the goddamn Tuesday night Titans talk show. Um, Like this is a man who so clearly like enjoys the money that he has, but hates the, like is still to this day mad that daddy didn't let him get his money in the way he wanted to. So it's just now that he has the money, he's doing everything he possibly can to realize his dreams that he feels slipping away from him more and more with each passing second. And it is extremely (laughs) funny how spectacularly everything outside the WWF has failed and how the WWF for a lot of its life has just managed to succeed in spite of itself and in spite of Vincent K motherfucking McMahon. And so the XFL is probably his most, uh, his most shiniest of failures. So 
basically he dumped a shitload of money. It was a half. It was a 50-50 co-ownership deal with the NBC itself to uh, create a spring football league. Not it's something that pops up in America every once in a while. It's in the last few years we have seen like three happen. We have seen in the last like five years we have seen the American uh, at the American um, Alliance for a uh, football, uh, the revival of the XFL and the revival of the US the USFL. Uh, yeah, I know the USFL. I, I remember seeing some of my roommates like watching some inaugural games like early in the year. And I'm like, man, this is kind of wild. I can't I can't comment on the USFL. I didn't watch any of it. I watched the AAF and I watched the XFL uh, 2.0. Uh, but basically, XFL 1.0. Uh, it was there's always been this idea that like the NFL makes shitloads of money. What if yes. we did football in the spring where there is no NFL? People, <laughs> who wants more football? And year-round football, just like we have year-round wrestling. There's nothing wrong with this formula. <laughs> yeah. And Not so, the XFL, let's start with problem number one with the XFL. It <laughs> tied its wagon. Vince is Vince McMahon did his usual Vince McMahoning of the situation. And by they that, really I mean. <laughs> he hitched his wagon to the idea of fuck the NFL. It is, it is, it's boring. It has too many rules and too many regulations. It's the no fun league. We are active, bringing fun back to football, baby. Number one, active contempt for pop culture outside of the thing that you own. And the reason this is a mistake, obviously, is you know what the biggest demographic of people is who would be interested in watching spring football? People who watch the NFL. Yep. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Vince is like, so I'm going Vince... to create an alternative market and like bank off like shitting on the thing that everyone that is going to watch me is a fan of. And. The uh, he would do this in 2.02 because the probably the most because like when he announced the XFL 2.0, he didn't have a lot of the basic details down already, but he made sure you know that there would be no kneeling at the national anthem. He wanted to make sure that you knew about that. He tied that in right in immediately. What a piece of shit. Anyway, back to XFL 1.0, the much more fun failure. XFL 2.0 basically only died because the pandemic happened. That's much less fun. XFL 1 is much funnier. And now The uh, Rock owns it. Yeah. So XFL 3, coming to you soon. Uh, but XFL 1, basically, Vince was his usual, like, he, he played his wrestling character. Like he always does. In a world where that just makes you look like a stupid lunatic. Not a <laughs> lovable heel character. Okay, well, even lovable in, in WWF is, is putting it quite charitably. <laughs> but then we actually get to the games, and we hit problem number two. And this is the real problem. Uh -huh. The football was bad. Oh? From a combination of they only had a couple of months to put a team to put teams together which is a very small period of time for training, and especially for teams who have never played together before. Um, mm. And 
just because we're dealing with a lower level of football talent. We're, we're talking about people who can't make it in the NFL right now. Yes. Yeah. The football game sucked and oh. you could probably, and you could probably get away with a lot of bullshit. If the football games didn't suck. If the football game. Yeah. And you know, Austin, I'm going to have a wild guess that Vince's fuck the rules theory to making entertainment football also contributed to why these games sucked. Of course, they also they were leaning into much less, much more lenient rule rule ideas. They wanted to bring back the violent uh, hits and and highlight real moves that everyone loves about pro football and yeah. it all age poorly because now we understand how brain damage works. Um, <laughs> hell, they got rid of. Let me tell you what how they did. They got rid of the kickoff, which is already one of the most dangerous plays in football. By the way. They got rid of it and made it more dangerous. Where what they did is they put a football in the middle of the field and had two players run to the middle of the field and dive at each other for it. And the guy who came up with the football wins the coin, wins the football toss. What? They See, here's the and thing. By, so the, the very first time they ever did this, somebody got hurt doing it. Really? Wow, no yeah. way. So, right. is there a problem? We've three? now established why it fucked up, and we're not even get we're not even getting to the good shit yet. I think because basically the ratings tanked out the ass uh, mm. because peop, a bunch of people tuned in dumb. because they were intrigued. Then they realized it was bad, and yup, and <laughs> goodbye. And then, so now WWF is not only begging people to watch the XFL on their own TVs. Oh no, now. They are WWEifying the XFL broadcasts. Uh, just a few weeks prior, they had a storyline where heel, where Jesse Ventura, who was doing football commentary, by the way, he is the governor of Minnesota during this period of time, and he is still making time to go do fucking XFL football commentary. Oh no. Not Jesse. Oh, Christ. I'm so, sure Jesse Ventura. I'm sure that was very hinged and very not awful. No, he, Jesse, plays a heel commentator and tries to do a feud with a football coach, one of the football coaches. And that is the thing they sell the show on one of the games on is like what's the epic rivalry the the heated feet rivalry between rusty tillman and jesse ventura were they were they hearing themselves were they no. paying attention to the thing that they like put on tv or were they just like getting blasted on coke saying words into a microphone and being like yep that's a finished product and then and then after that, they did a promotional stunt where they announced that at halftime of, the, of an XFL game, they are going to go backstage into the cheerleaders' locker room. <laughs> of course. Of, of, and then, of course, they swerved it, and it was a dream sequence, and they just did random LOL bullshit. There was absolutely no TNA involved. It so was they a, not only it was a dream sequence. 
They dream sequenced it. The Who guy, the camera guy, is trying awesome? to they, they, what they do is they have a skit of like a backstage raw skit, basically live at a football game of Vince like hyping up the cameraman to be like, yeah, you go in there, you get that footage. And the cameraman run tries to run to the locker room and like it hits his like knocks the camera into the door and it bounces back and knocks him out. And then the rest of the sequence, it's a dream sequence, and then he wakes up, and that's it's the it. Cameraman's dream. Yes. What? All okay. this to say, the XFL would have exactly one season, and that was it. Oh my god. Okay. The football, the football, as I understand it, got marginally better as time went on, which would make sense. Yeah, they have more time, time to practice with each other. But, you know, by that point, nobody's watching because they've already watched bad. They're like, this is bad football. Fuck this. And then even if the people who stuck around through bad football were alienated by wrestling skits. WWE tier skits during football. Because that's definitely the thing people tune into football for. Now, I will give the XFL its flowers on one thing. Okay. Uh, They, WWE, the WWE brought a lot of its, like, idea of, like, pomp and circumstance to the productions and, like, dynamic camera shooting shots and stuff to the XFL. And that was so, and, like, that was recognized, like, this is a good idea. The NFL started adapting the kind of camera techniques the XFL was using. Um in addition, if obviously it's a, it's kind of a known, it's kind of like a regular beat in football now of like in during, like during crucial, like during at the end of, at the beginning of games and at halftime and after halftime and at the end of the game, the sideline reporters run over and do a live interview with a coach for a couple of minutes. The yeah. XFL was big into big into like putting the microphone in front of coaches and players mid game to get their feelings on it. And the, and the NFL also copied the XFL on that. Wait, so the NFL is now running with techniques that they ate from the XFL? Yeah, they acknowledged the XFL had a couple of good ideas, so we'll just take them. What? What is the reality that we live in? <laughs> like, Vince uh, actually also, stumbled into pioneering, like, what are now staples of football, uh, like, football TV. What the yeah. fuck? It is otherwise extremely shitty football league. Yeah. He also famously was like, we want to let our players show their personality so that, so they can customize the back of their Jersey. So it doesn't just say their name. Right. Uh, Okay. Probably the most well-known example of someone who um, did this is he hate me. Uh, He had that on the back of his Jersey. And the, and the idea is that he, he in this sentence are the people who like don't believe in who who like try to hold him back and don't believe in him and stuff. Okay. And he's his haters. He's going to prove wrong. He hate me. And he was actually an entertaining player to player. And he was pretty good. And he had the cool, unique nickname name. So he's probably like the most famous XFL player that anyone knows of is he hate me. Damn. I mean, look, every once in a while you give Vince gives people like keys to the kingdom, and every once in a while people manage to get over with his stupid bullshit. So yeah, yeah, that's about uh, that's about on par. 
So, yeah, that is our little sidebar into uh, the XFL history. Just felt that was worth bringing up. Now we're no, – I'm, I'm I'm I don't get it. many I don't get many chances to talk about the XFL here. It's a very, it's a very short-lived thing. <laughs> I am not remotely surprised that you had a whole, like, deep dive into the history of XFL 1.0 ready to go to, like, explain this to our audience. Because you having, like, random deep dives into random bullshit like this is exactly how this show got started. Uh, and see, here, here's the thing, audience. Austin gave this beautiful, florid rundown just now of, like, the history and shortcomings of XFL 1.0. For me, all I saw, like, everything Austin just said makes total sense to me. Because I saw this XFL ad, and it was, it was just advertised like fucking sports entertainment. So everything you said makes a zillion percent sense. You could tell just from the advertising that Vince was trying to run this shit like a slight more shooty shoot version of fucking WWE, except with football. Right. And that doesn't work because football yep. is entirely different than fake wrestling. <laughs> really, you don't say. Hey. It lost a shit it lost a shitload of money. It base it it uh strained WWE's relationship with NBC. Obviously that gets patched up. But uh who everybody lost a lot of money on the XFL and we we're like, well, excuse never mind, we're never doing it again. Excuse you, Austin. As someone who is attempting to uh to establish uh an indie uh hot dog eating promotion uh with the aesthetics of pro wrestling i can tell you that the aesthetics of pro wrestling track perfectly onto anything you don't need to put any thought into it whatsoever if you put the aesthetics of pro wrestling on something that's a guaranteed success right there i know personally you're that's fair all right so after this we get a classic wrestlemania moment they've been doing these for all for weeks you know just hype up mania as you do but they do the classic bit and so classic that nobody really remembers it, this specific bit uh, <laughs> from Check's notes. The prior year's WrestleMania. Oh, no. Where Kane choke slams Pete Rose because Kane has an ongoing feud with Pete Rose. I think I've mentioned it sure. before. But every time Pete, every time they they go do a show and Pete Rose is on, Pete Rose heals on the crowd, and then Kane comes out and beats him up. Yada yada yada. It's fun. <laughs> Everyone loves it. And so they choke slam Pete Rose, and then Rikishi gives Pete Rose the stink face. Oh wow! So this is Rikishi pre dumb fuck heel turn. It's post. But we're still, but he will still do ass shots on crowd on people. To oh no, hate. I'm sorry. 2000, 2000, WrestleMania 2000 is pre heel turn. Sorry. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I was thinking like, of when I was thinking of when this episode airs, which is post. I was gonna say like post turning Rikishi like mega heel to try to make him like a legitimate main event bad guy, uh, and then still having him do like ass spots against other heels feels like it would defeat the purpose. You see, you say that, but they did this Pete Rose gets beat up by Kane bit during Kane's very first WrestleMania, where he is the heel fighting his own brother, The Undertaker, who he's been trying to murder. And they still find time for him to beat up Pete Rose in a comedy bit. Who's Pete Rose again? 
Uh, famous Reds baseball player, probably the one of the greatest Reds baseball players of all time. He's also most famous for being forever banned from the Baseball Hall of Fame because when he was a manager, he was caught betting on Reds games. Is that why he's a heel? Yes. And, of course, Vince is in bed with him anyway because, of course, Vince doesn't give a shit. I honestly don't give a shit. Put, put Pete Rose in the hall. He wasn't ah, betting on his team to lose. Who cares? So if he was put him in there. Who cares if he was pro? I mean, to be fair, that actually doesn't sound like too awful. If he wasn't like fixing the matches, fixing the game. No, he wasn't like, betting in such a way that he would theoretically be. I don't think he was really betting in a way that could be considered like fixing the games to screw the Reds to win. Nah, like he was betting on his own team to win. He's just showing patriotism for his own team. You know, I see nothing wrong with this. Put Pete Rose in the hall. All right. So coming back from the break, we get Doink the Clown hanging out in the crowd to hype the gimmick battle royal, which Paul Heyman clearly hates with every fiber of his being. Heyman is big mad about this shit, dude. He wants it's serious... So wrestling only as the former yeah. as the former owner of ecw serious business wrestling only sir yeah Heyman is Heyman's salty about the goofy gimmicks because clearly nothing about his edgelord ass has ever changed yes so match two William Regal comes out and gets a microphone and says he has a very important thing to say about WC fields <laughs> i don't know who that is but obviously the joke is he i've heard the name it's probably some like motherfucker probably a philosopher given what he just said American he comedian? not what i would have expected not uh fields was an american comedian actor juggler and writer talented man all right Okay. Well, William Regal says, William, W.C. Fields once said, there is no cure for insomnia but sleep, and he will not sleep until he defeats Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Now, Mr. Regal, I don't think it's a very good idea. Trying to wrestle a match after not sleeping for a week sounds like a bad idea. I think you should sleep. <laughs> Regal, Regal's over here, like, in a practically, like, zombie state, being like, oh, I need to, I need to wrestle... This is the only thing for me. Oh, brains. I need to wrestle. And everyone's like, dude, real, are you okay? No, no, it's fine. I just need to wrestle. So, Real announces tonight he will fight someone in a warm-up match from a very prestigious wrestling family, the Hollies. And it's like, that, I guess. Prestigious? I mean, I, it feels like there's supposed to be a swerve to it, but also I don't care. Like, who would, who would I think he's going to say? But... The the ho the ho the Hollies? They're I mean, at this prestigious. Point we got the whole family. We got Bob Holly, Crash Holly, and Molly Holly. Wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. I am an intelligent human being. Of course, Molly Holly is Bob Holly's daughter. Oh. I believe it's cousin, actually. Wait, I thought Bob Holly was like a golden age guy. I, he no, he looks like he's ancient, but he is actually only uh, he's only fifty nine as of today. Oh well, then never mind. He looks. So ancient, why are they so prestigious, Austin? Because I guess they exist in the WWF. 
They're all and they're here right family. now. So. And, and, and there you we go. gotta call okay. all families. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Enter the hall. <laughs> 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 all right. So Crash and Molly come out, and Crash is like, hey, I don't appreciate being called a stepping stone for you. And William Regal, when he when Holly turns around, cheap shots him and grabs Molly, which the implication is that Regal was talking about Molly Holly, not Crash Holly. Yeah. <laughs> and William and JR is like, how dare him? What kind of a sick monster is William Regal? Uh, he's a he's a classic dastardly villain, Jr. Actually, there there's a whole so a whole Regal thing about puts, this very definitional. So he puts Molly Regal puts Molly Holly in a submission. Crash saves Molly, and then Regal puts him in the submission. And it is broke, and this is basically the match. Yeah, match so, number two, and it's a bunch of bullshit. Yes, uh, the match. After the match, uh, match, um, Doink the Clown comes down and starts whooping Regal's ass. For some reason. And Doink then start, puts Regal in the walls of Jericho. Actually, oh, I believe this is specifically oh, oh, the Lion Tamer. Oh. So he, he has... Regal and the Lion Tamer for a while, and then Regal runs away, and then at then we get then the wig comes off, and it is revealed to be Chris Jericho was in the disguise the whole time. It was me, Regal. This is mind games. Yeah, uh, I told David this story, and I'm going to bring it up now because this Please. is literally what this is about. Is famously. The story goes that this on this episode of Raw, Shawn Michaels was backstage, and this was when he was at his most coked out of his mind. Um, oh. As he is backstage and he sees Jericho in the doink outfit, obvious, and he thinks that Jericho has been permanently <laughs> turned into Doink the Clown. And he's like, I can't believe they made you Doink, man. Dude. I guarantee you in that moment, Shawn Michaels was getting flashes of reality where he was forced to put on doink face. And and he's like, oh, I could never, I don't ever want to be doink. They got my boy, Chris. What if I'm next? No. What if I'm the next doink? We are, we are all doink. Deep down, each one of us is, and then he'd like Sean. Sean, please go. Sean, please go take a nap. <laughs> no, no, they're gonna get. If I sleep, if I close my eyes, I'm gonna wake up with toy makeup on. Sean, please, no. Right. So after all that, backstage, Vince is still watching WCW, and he was like, "That was pretty embarrassing for William Regal." Speaking of embarrassing, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, he, uh, he then proceeds to get right very. Now. Yeah, he he proceeds to get very horny thinking about the implants that Dustin Rhodes apparently legitimately wanted to get for the Gold Dust. Right. Okay. So he is telling Tris stories about Gold Dust, and he's like, "Did you know that one time he he genuinely wanted to get implants? That kind of sick freak Gold Dust was." And this is very true, by the way, Dustin Rhodes, uh, because to really sell the androgyny of gold dust as a character he was like he offered to get implants and vince like, was like no dust, no you're good dust 
I Dustin Rhodes, what get one of my faves of all time. That man confuses me to no end because on one hand he seems so like bashful about like the fact that he was like Goldust and that he you know did all this dumb shit, all all this dumb gimmick shit early in his career, uh, and now is enjoying just getting to be like straight up himself, just kind of having a late career mini renaissance as he as he like sunsets but but then he also like wanted to lean into the Goldust persona that hard that uh, clearly he enjoyed it and was willing to give his all to it so like what and so as Vince tells this story he turns into a flirtation thing because he starts Clearly, he's talking about the boobs Goldust would ha- would have had, and he's clearly he all he's talking about Trish's boobs. Well, yes, but it's much funnier to say that he got horny thinking about Dustin's potential implants. Right. All right. So backstage, Jonathan Coachman is with William Regal, and William Regal has nothing important to say except that Jer- Chris Jericho has a match tonight with the Big Show. So and it's a non-title match because Regal wants a piece of that. Belt. Regal um, wants the belt for himself, so he's yeah. non-title, but you know, you also, have a match with, with Big Show tonight. Fuck you. God, I love it when Regal calls people Sunshine. He's like, now you listen here, Sunshine. I, I don't sunshine. know. I just love I, I just love when he calls people Sunshine. It's great. Uh then we cut backstage to Kurt in his locker room with Edge and Christian. And Christian tells him that tonight they're gonna have a six-man tag with Chris Benoit and the Hardy Boys. And Kurt Angle wants to make sure that they know he did not tap. He was reaching for the ropes, okay? He didn't tap. He's never tapped in his life. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. Kurt Angle is too much of a man uh, uh, to to ever tap, especially to Chris Benoit's stupid fucking crossface. Oh, shit. I need a refill on copium here. Yeah, pretty much. He is huffing the copium so hard. Insanely hard. Again, self-parody levels. Edge and Christian decide to introduce Kurt Angle to their other new friend, Rhino. And Rhino is like, hey, 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 I go way back with these guys, Kurt. I got your back, brother. I will die for you. like, like, Whoa, that's a lot of commitment. We just met each other. Whoa, whoa man. <laughs> okay. He literally a few, makes a, a few a few random sidebars here. Um He makes a literal reference to his triple his three eyes, intelligence, intensity, and integrity. He's like, I'm not seeing a lot of intelligence or integrity, but he's got intensity. Fun fact, that's also the way you can describe most of this roster. Um hey. so a few sidebars I need to make. First of all, on a somewhat related note, uh the the way uh rhino's entrance was treated here so you had said that rhino was introduced several weeks back already but like yeah yeah why are they running this promo right now with this sort of sense that like because like the way they bring rhino in feels like that's a debut moment for him like like oh yeah we have a friend Who's totally gonna help you out and is so and we love and is so gonna like be there for you. And Edge is like, Christian, go get you know who. And it feels like a debut moment for him, but he mm-hmm. already debuted, so why are we doing it just like a second kind of debut for him? What? 
I don't know. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Second of all, man, long hair Christian is a wild sight to see. For oh yeah. Third of all, I've never really noticed until this episode. Goddamn Edge has the jawline of a crescent moon. Yeah, like, I see that. I see it that. Like slopes outward. Like that man could play like a live action version of the Crimson Shin unironically. Like what the fuck? Man, the boat talk about a missed boat on that one. Dude, I I don't know what like Edge's jaw just needs to like have a starring role in something. That shit's just on another plane of existence. Yeah. So, we get a Road to WrestleMania video for The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin set to, of course, Limp Biscuits My Way. This time okay, I'm gonna let it all yeah, come out. This it. time I'm gonna stand up and shout. I'm gonna do things my way. It's my way. My way. My way, my way, my way in the highway. Yeah, okay. I can't lie. I've never been more into Limp Biscuit than I am watching these fucking WrestleMania 17 promos. It's sad. same. I hate, I, I hate that I admitted this. I'm going to, once we're done recording, I'm going to throw up and then spend two hours flogging myself for saying that. Mm-hmm. However, I can't. I hate, I, hate to, I hate to say you say this very controversial opinion in the wrestling community, but I don't like Limp Biscuit at all. And <laughs> I don't know how much respect I have for Limp Biscuit fans. But I'll tell <laughs> you this. Hell of a of a hype video with Rock and Austin with Limp Biscuit here, and a hell of a theme song for WrestleMania 17. Yeah, so we basically get a recap from last Thursday, which uh, start it sees you see a lot more of the antagonistic side of Heyman and Jr. As Jr. tries to like intro this, talking about how he asked uh, Stone Cold about tagging with The Rock, and Paul Heyman immediately jumps in, be like, "Yeah, that was a stupid question, wasn't it?" I mean, you almost Dude. got your hat knocked off, didn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, know. look, we're still, we're on the clip. We're on the clip. Immediately interrupts, and JR is just like, I, I, was, I was trying to say something here. Mm-hmm. Poor JR, man. So we get we we get a lot of the recap of the last Thursday pro, sit-down promo that I already talked about in the front half. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it now that you've actually seen most all the highlights of it. Sorry, of what? Of the, the sit-down interview they showed. Oh. Like, I don't know if you had any thoughts because I already talked about it. I mean, like, yeah, it was it was fine. It was a little bit different than what I, like, kind of anticipated. But, like, I mean, it was a, it was a fine interview. I didn't think it was, like, the greatest sit-down interview I've ever seen. But it was it was solid. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the yeah. I, need, I want to beat you versus I need to beat you moment uh, was was a good moment. So, yeah, I mean, that's, just, that's, about, that's about all I got. Mm-hmm. I guess I was, I'll just mention I like Steve Austin really does look like he's like barely holding back from just killing everyone. <laughs> a little bit, like, and he doesn't he, he doesn't usually have that kind of like deadly intense serious intensity to him. No, but that said, he does always have the I have nothing but contempt for these people intensity to him. So it's just a natural mm-hmm. progression, I think. Sure. Uh, we cut backstage with Coachman, who with Deborah, who is now outside of the Rock's locker room, and she, he, she's like, "Can you? What can you tell me about how the Rock's feeling tonight?" And she's like, "I don't want to talk about it." Great. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it. That, that great you're, character. You're doing. Deborah, you're, you're killing it up there, honey. I'm. You add so much. I'm so glad. Steve <laughs> Austin was like, "I want my wife to be part of the show." I'm my glad. Wife, I'm, this was such a good thing. Says, yeah. 
Well, we don't we don't know the time. I don't know the timeline. He maybe he hasn't happened yet. Well, this is fair, but I don't know. That there's a moment later where I might get a tiny bit into the like armchair psychoanalyzing once more cuz uh mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, um okay. So and now we're back to to Vince backstage again being all Vincey about buying WCW. Yeah, and he's like, put it, he's having Trish help him put his jacket on because he's going to go address the fans in the ring. Mm-hmm. And he needs a little bit of luck. They're doing some flirty flirts. She kisses him. Great. Man, this is such a weird, like, non-through line for this whole episode. Like, it's it's just Vince randomly popping up to gloat, disconnected from anything else happening in the goddamn episode. It's like nothing else is related. This is just Vince like sucking his own cock intermittently for two hours. What what is this? It's rough. It's uh, we're about to we're about to peak with that, aren't we? Uh, yep. We get an ad for WWE WWF access. Cool. Sure. Uh, whatever. And then and then as Vince is coming out, I made note of this because this is insane, more insane mm-hmm. shit from Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. Is he brings up the famous, you know, quote about how Alexander the Great sat and wept for he had nowhere left to conquer. And he compares this to Vince McMahon having bought WCW and having Ugh. won the war. God. Paul Heyman being on Vince's side for this shit is even worse and makes me hate him even fucking more. That feels so in character for Paul Heyman in or out of kayfabe, to be honest. It really does. It really does. And it's kind of funny to me that, like, he's all in on this. Like, mere months before Vince is also going to, like, fucking buy out ECW. Like, he, his uh, shit's that's... about... It's gonna it's gonna be a couple years of fighting around in court regarding. Okay, who well, either way, like, that, but yeah, his own baby's about to get swallowed by the Vince Meister. So, like, laugh it up while you can, sleazeball. He got he got his. He don't give a fuck. <laughs> he's not in the game. He's not in the game of being like fuck WWE. We're gonna we're gonna we're the little ACW. Could. He, he's not money. in that game anymore. WWE's giving me money, and all of a sudden I feel far less inclined to, like, make fun of them constantly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Funny that. We should do the episode of Raw with the ECW invasion. That'd be cute. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. But so, Vince uh, stops and demands that Lillian Garcia give him another introduction for a man of his status, and it's like, then she just kind of repeats the intro. I thought that was weird. Yeah, yeah. Vince, Vince waltzes down, and you hear... The president and CEO of the World Wrestling Federation, uh, Mr. McMahon. And then Vince is like, no, no, you do it again. You do it again. And he like marches all the way back up the ramp, looks indignantly back. And she's just like, uh, the president and CEO of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. McMahon. And Vince is like, ah, oh, yes, that's better. And then, and then that's what I wanted. Back, it's like she sustained the words a tiny bit more. I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, and then meanwhile, back on commentary. A top tier cringe sign, by the way, here. Uh, this is when I noted Vince McMahon is a corporate god. Oh, oh, I have stuff about the signs in a hot second, too. Um, I didn't even write what the sign was, but I have I have, I have, have a mm-hmm. note about shit like that, too. Uh, and then meanwhile, over on commentary, Paul Heyman's making ass-kissing noises, and 
JR is, well, he might as well be anyway. And JR just responds with, what are you looking for, right? Yeah, um, that was great. Yeah. Um, and then Vince starts talking about, like, how this promo of his is simulcasting. But he's clearly, like, snorted a little too much because he says first that the that Raw is broadcasting on TNN. Um, and then he's like, and then which it was T TNN. There was a channel called. Yeah, that TNN. was the channel they were. Yeah, that was the channel they were on. Oh, okay. Point. And then he's like, and and WCW is broadcasting over on TNN. You know the Turner Network, whatever the T stands for. Shockingly, TNN has nothing to do with Turner. It is that is short for the Nashville Network. Oh well, funny that. Um, it was it was mostly a country music oriented cable TV channel, but for a while there, it had a it had old WWE. That's for a short random. bit. Um, back is, back when is, I think I think it was I think they were having disputes with USA about money, so they were like, uh, "Fuck you, we're leaving." Fuck you, we're leaving. And then for they went back to USA eventually. Channel. Okay, what does TNT stand for? Turner Turner Network Television. Turner Network Television. Yeah. And WCW is over on TNN, you know, Turner Network Television. That's actually what he says. Uh, Vince is clearly starting a little talk backstage. Um, yeah, it was, it was neat, though, because they cut, as he talks about the simulcast, they cut to Nitro. They, yeah, which so is So we sick. see what this looks like from the perspective of Nitro. Yeah, that which is which is cool. Um, yeah, and then all right. So starts doing got... revisionist history on live mic immediately. Mm -hmm. Oh, but for oh, I got a whole lot of this shit written yeah, down. But okay, please. so he reiterates that he bought his competition, but it's yeah. not final. Final, you see, because Time Warner just can't sell it to anyone else because yeah. nobody else knows what to do with it. Yeah, that's uh, the reason that that oh. WWF is buying them and not the dumb petty bullshit they did in court. <laughs> and in fact, Time Warner is begging. Vince to sign the contract. That was probably true. Probably. <laughs> that part is probably correct. You're like, fuck, and, fuck this show. Please, Vince. Please get it away from us. We hate this. And Vince says that he will sign the contract. Because you see, what he's going to do is he is going to sign the contract at WrestleMania when Ted Turner walks down the aisle and hand delivers it to him. Mm -hmm. So Vince, so in kayfabe, this isn't done yet. The sign, the deal is not done because Vince hasn't officially signed the contract. He is going to make Ted Turner personally watch as he signs his baby away. <laughs> because of course he is, and of course, uh, it's so funny to me that like a the contract signing bullshit. Shit was like uh it was such a thing that vince is like yeah we're just gonna casually include this on wrestlemania a contract signing segment oh yeah and by the way it's just it's where i sign the contract to buy out my competition because of fucking course it is um mm -hmm. that and, was yeah this is when vince decides to start talking about he goes people ask me how do you do it vince compete against a, a, a media conglomerate a billionaire which yeah, I've, I've almost certainly mentioned it on here before. But the Monday Night War was absolutely filled to the brim 
with WWE framing themselves as this, you know, nice little mom and pop family owned wrestling company that was being fought against by the billionaire Ted Turner with his big media company. I'm sorry, what? Vince played the vi the sad little victim Vince, underdog Vince, card all are the you time. Kidding me? He's like, when, what wrestling needs is an outsider. When WCW was in particular whooping Vince's ass, he took out full page ads in the Wall Street Journal. Ah, yes. To, the thing to that tell mom people and pop shop about owners are famous for being able to, to tell people how. Ted Turner is trying to destroy his business. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm sure. So I this is that's what I have to say when people try now, because WB has completely revisionist history this whole bit. All of this bullshit I just said there, they have wiped that clean. They are like WCW played unfair and we were just we just got all along because we just put out a gosh darn better wrestling product we did uh, not dare to do such mud slinging bullshit okay they and now we have an entire generation of wrestling fans who think that and shit talk tony khan and aew when they take their shots as as they say things like vince mcmahon would never Fuck you. Vince McMahon yep, okay. was the pettiest asshole in the history of wrestling. Yeah, okay. This is where I gotta go on my my little fucking tirade here. Because I, as I've made allusion to, I fucking hate the IWC. The IWC is full of, like, I'm sorry, absolute morons who just shit into their own hands and throw it at their computer screen and think it makes for, like, compelling commentary on the state of wrestling in 2022. And when we have Vincent K. McMahon actively doing revisionist history on, like, his relationship with the WCW as soon as he buys that shit up and cringy-ass signs in the crowd... Because you, you point out one cringy sign in the crowd about, like, Vince is like a wrestling. I had to write way too many God, notes whatever. to catch a lot of the signs. Um, but we cut to another sign that was like, it was basically like, ah, yes, the XFL, the the world, um, WCW. What's next for Vince? Like just dick riding him so hard, and it's like these are like these are like Elon Musk fanboys, but for Vince McMahon, and they like the level of. First of all, the level of delusion on which you have to be operating in order to think that, like, things like the XFL in the world are going to be, like, smash hit successes for Vince is already... They're already not! Yeah, but then, but then, like, the fact you have to throw in the venom there of, like, ah, yes, God King Wrestling Daddy is just going to start his, is just going to start a monopoly and I'm okay with that because I'm going to fucking call the personality for Vince and goddamn McMahon. Oh my god, what a person to hit your personality to is who needs is who needs who needs social media? Vince can cultivate parasocial relationships all on his own. True. Fucking true. And like all of a sudden, every single person who goes on like fucking wrestle meme pages on Facebook to post boomer ass memes about how every time AEW comes on, they like turn off the TV 
and thinking that, like, every single time that's the funniest, like, sickest burn they've ever done. Meanwhile, like, sucking off Triple H's cock for, like, just putting out a slightly better show than what Vince did and being like, oh, yeah, the goddamn spot monkey, uh, uh, young bucks that started AEW. Who want? Who wants to watch cool stunts in a wrestling show? I'm here for matches that last a goddamn minute, end in some bullshit, and then Vince McMahon masturbating in the middle of the ring about how he's better than everybody else in his business. Like these are. This is where these people come from, Austin. This is where they were born. This is the culture of wrestling that, that they I mean, were. It is because it them. is the that it is the last them. time, the last time WWE boomed was this period of time where I was going to talk about this during real matches, but I like I have always like a lot of people like and even people I would generally consider to be nor be like not stupid people in wrestling will like cop to the Vince Russoism of like the wrestling is the least important part. Um, character and story are more important. And it's like, I but that's fair. There's not even post character but... and story here, Austin. It's all fucking stupid. Well, well, that was the sign of the times, wasn't it? But what I was getting at is that like, I, I agree that character and story are important. Exceeding, but yes. you don't have to not, you can't, you, you can have both. You don't have to be like, you know what? Fuck wrestling entirely. Matches, who cares? And, but like, there is this entire thought process about wrestling as a thing that comes from one old heads being like, God damn, it's all about drawing money. You know, it draws money stories. And so wrestling fans think they're smart because they can quote Jim Cornette. And Oh yeah. The thing that makes you extremely, a a top sign of intelligence is unironically quoting Jim fucking Cornette. Okay. And, and that they, and because they grew up in this era where rest, where rest WWF said, They've always WWF has always kind of been like the wrestling's not that important. WWF has never truly cared that much about the concept, the value of wrestling as the wrestling as an avenue for storytelling. It's all WWE's attitude is always wrestling happens because that's the medium that we're doing it in, but the real story comes from anything else. The matches yep. are just a thing you have to do because this is a wrestling show. But Never the attitude never in rest in WWF has matches had been more the concept of matches just being good was ever held in more contempt than um was in the attitude era. They did not give a fuck. And because that was the last time wrestling has boomed, you have an entire generation of fans who think this is proof that that yes, wrestling matches, who needs wrestling on wrestling? Clearly, nobody likes it. And it's not, and it doesn't make money, clearly. Because the last time we all made money, there was no one gave a shit. Then why are you a wrestling fan? Just that just, I don't get. Well, okay, I can t- I can tell you why. Because they're because they're too scared of being perceived as gay to just go watch soap operas. Like that's that's it. A that's that's you want that's soap, gotta you be want it, soap right? Soap operas that appeal to you as like that, that are targeted at a very white male demographic. Yeah, that's, no. that's wrestling in their eyes. Yeah, pretty much. Like, oh my god, 
And the fact that just people unironically still subscribe to this theory is mind-boggling to me. But this is where it comes from. It comes from Vince buying out a show where currently much better matches are happening in real time than the shit he's putting on his show and gloating about how they were always like doomed to failure and how he is like a god king of the industry for just having enough of daddy's money to buy them out and and like you damn right you want do you want real matches you know where real matches are happening wcw and look what happened to them they're going out of business tonight but like it's man the fact that people actually subscribe to that philosophy just fills me with a slight existential sadness you know like yeah you're right wrestling i I make this joke all the time but this seems to be unironically like the mindset of these people wrestling on my wrestling show get it out of here yeah i kill me so back to vince rambling on is he said sorry sorry one more thing the billionaire line vince says uh, yeah, he fought off the bill. He beat the billionaires, and now he's gonna be a billionaire himself. And CM Punk says uh, X. Um. Right, uh, which is always again the funniest thing about this is that how much WWE Vince has always framed the fight against WCW is fighting Ted Turner. When like to WC to Ted Turner, WCW was a fun side project. He always wanted funded and all that, but like, yeah, he, he just like he didn't he just, give like, a shit is, about the day to day. And he Vince Meanwhile's getting like extremely mad. The real people in charge of WCW were men like Eric Bischoff, people who don't have significantly more money than Vince does. Yeah, seriously. And 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 goddamn, look what happened to 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 Bischoff. His brain's just fucking broken. But Vince didn't want to accept that he was ever beaten by some dude who just had a long history of odd jobs until he found his way into running a wrestling company. He wants if he's going to accept he was ever beaten or who he beat, he beat a fucking billionaire. God, he's literally just like Randy Orton posting from last uh, last episode where he's like, ah, I have killed all the legends. You have done nothing. You you are all beneath me, and it's like Ted Turner's over here, like with his billions of dollars. Like, I just think this is neat, and Vince is like, I just think this is neat. I just, I just think it's neat. Uh, and Vince over here, like, my my career is the best out of all of you. I am better than all of you. My credentials are across the board better. I am killing gods. I am God. And Ted Turner's just like Ted Turner's just like over here, like sipping on I don't know beer or something he's like oh do you you say you say something fancy you having fun over there i'm happy for you buddy and vince is just frothing at the mouth like rocking back and forth in his corner like ted turner is enjoying his is enjoying his billions of dollars from selling his company to aol time warner i don't think he cares what vince saw he saw wcw he saw like his like little passion product wcw singing he's like oh well that's kind of sad all righty anyway moving on with my billions Yeah. So Vince, Vince is like, some say that I, some would say that I did it with the help of various WWE superstars, but I did it on my own, my effort and my money. And it's all me. Mm -hmm. How do you beat a billionaire? You become one yourself. 
Yeah. And and Vince says when he signs that contract, he's going to reserve a seat right in the front row in the corner for Ted Turner so he can watch what he's going to do. Beat up his, his son. own son. And you got to like, grab your competition by the throat and squeeze the life out of him like I did to WCW, like I'm going to do to my son Shane. Dude, it's so evil. He's, he's like, he's met. Imagine like being a WCW fan in that audience and just watching Bane of Your Existence, Vince McMahon, like stare you directly in the face and be like, yeah, I have control of all of this now. So you're going to watch me gloat about how much contempt I have for you and the thing that you care about so much that you're here, here to support it right now. Like, Jesus Christ, you psychopath. Give it a rest. We get it. You're cartoonishly evil. You don't got to keep rubbing it in. Vince uh, makes sure everyone knows that Stephanie McMahon will be there on Sunday to watch. Trish Stratus is going to be there to watch. And Trish, she was going to roll Linda down to the ring and put her and put Linda right in the corner. So he so Linda can from her wheelchair can watch while Vince beats up his kid. Beats his own son. Remains a very weird angle. This is such a fucking weird angle. What the fuck? And so Vince then decides, he's like, I, he's curious about what he's going to do with WCW. Is he could just put it on the shelf and bury it forever. But, or he could watch Hulk Hogan. He could watch just Hulk Hogan do his stupid poses and just watch as every time they say on Nitro they're going to bury the WWF, he's just going to rewind and rewind again and laugh and laugh. And he says, he who laughs last, laughs best. I'm not exactly laughing, but I do have a big smile on my face. God. uh... He then suggests that they could take WCW and turn it into a massive media conglomerate, just like the (laughs) WWF which actually is the closest to what they tried to do. Pretty much, they, yeah. WWF tried to shop the idea of a rebooted WCW Nitro uh, to television networks who were like, no thanks, we don't want WCW Nitro. Kind of fucking and weird, the fans were like, no thanks. No, we really we don't, don't want to see want Vince. WCW Nitro. As run by Vince McMahon, like that, that just well, that, like, that's a hundred percent more that like WWF told their fans for years that Nitro sucks and is stupid and is the worst thing ever, and now they're like, hey guys, do you want to watch the wrestling show we told you was stupid and dumb and the worst thing ever? Oh, and they're like, no, that's fair. Yikes! So Vince decides that he is going to ask the audience for some help about what to do with all these WCW wrestlers he now has oh under God. his employ. And Seven. so he does a thumbs up, thumbs down bit, which honestly, it mostly became like they booed or cheered the thumbs up as appropriate. That's how it yeah. basically played out. So yes, Hulk, it gives Hulk Hogan. Using it. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan. Boo. Mostly, mostly boo. Yeah. People were not, people did not want to see Hoagie Boy around these Lex parts Luger. no more. Boo. Boo. So the two guys who were in the WWF and left, they're like, fuck mm, Don't come Interesting. Back. Uh, Buff Bagwell got yeah! 
I understand that buff is the stuff. Buff. Right. Yeah. Buff Bagwell, weirdly over with this crowd. Okay. I think Vince was also kind of surprised to hear that one. Yeah, I think Vince like, I, Vince kind of looks staggered for a second. He's like, uh, uh, okay then. Booker T. Cheers. Yeah. And then he goes, well, what about the genetic freak? Scott Steiner, big, big cheers. He refers him as Big Papa Pump and is like, yeah. Huge. So Vince is seemingly going to leave. And then suddenly Goldberg chants break out. Yeah. He's like, well, also, he's like, you're not being terribly helpful here, which, like, like I think he's being, being very helpful. You're, they're literally doing what you asked them to. Why? How are they not being helpful, Vince? Yeah. So he he breaks out. He's like, Sting, what about Sting? And they're like, big cheers for Sting. And then he asks about Goldberg. Big cheers for Goldberg. Scientist cheers ever for Goldberg. Oh, you're all going to regret that, pal. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Goldberg is not going to have a good time in the WWF. I'll tell you that. Oh, he didn't? Oh, no. So Vince McMahon says that he had a choice tonight. Gloating, which he's doing a, he thinks he's doing a very good job of, and getting in a plane to go to Redneck Riviera, Panama City, Florida, and give all those WCW wrestlers a piece of his mind. And Vince now is like, WCW's last broadcast is in a beer hall in front of a bunch of rednecks. How appropriate. And the crowd cheers like, they are somehow not also that exact thing. Mm-hmm. Vince they're like, wants they're like to yeah, we're totally better than those beer-drinking rednecks. Chug, chug, chug. Chug, 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 chug. Uh, Vince says that he wants Wait, to line up. Wait, their top boy is a beer-drinking redneck. What is wrong with you, dipshit? But he's our beer-drinking redneck. I fucking so hate WWF Vince. So that Vince says that he wants, he wants to line up every damn one of those wrestlers and tell them two words you're fired because vince has decided that he he's gonna put wcw on a shelf all right wcw is buried it will remain buried just like anyone who attempts to get in his way yeah and this is when people start chanting asshole at him yeah and vince is like starting to really bait like the booze here God, there's so much to unpack about this. Like, Vince sitting here gloating about his grand victory, but still trying to get the the crowd to, like, boo him for this. There's so much going on in this man's psyche over this shit right now, and I don't know if I have the constitution to spend any amount of time unpacking that absolute swamp trash fire. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then Vince's music, No Chance in Hell, hits again, which is also Shane's music. It plays, and he and Vince like, what? What? Are, why? And he thinks it's Shane, and he's, he's like prepared for Shane to come out. And we see Shane on the old Titantron. Shane is at Nitro. Nitro. And he's Shane like, is what's here. up, Vince? Shane is here. Shane is here. He's like, what's up, Vince? Because Shane says that, as usual, Vince's ego has gotten the best of him. And as at this point, you can hear fuck Vince chants coming through the Nitro feed. Absolutely based. I'm so sorry you people, like, were stuck watching this. They had to sit there 
on what is otherwise a celebratory episode of the history of Nitro and WCW. They had to sit there and watch Vince jerk himself off for 15 minutes. About Specifically about how much he fucking has contempt, nothing but contempt for Nitro. Mm-hmm. So Shane brings is like, well, your whole plan at WrestleMania is not going to work because the contract is already finalized. And the contract does say McMahon, but the contract reads Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon has bought WCW and Vince's face is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, no. Oh, and and big pop from the crowds for that one. Um, But also like, Jesus, there's also a lot more. Like, oh, oh, also, one thing I have to point out real quick. I'm pretty sure, wait, let me look this up. Um, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, meme. I'm pretty sure. He def- there's definitely a meme of his face he makes when he, when his he reaction tells him. I'm pretty sure somewhere, okay, it's not this, but, like, he's making a face that looks like a Vince face meme. Like, Eyes wide, mouth in an O shape the whole time. Um, it was weird. But anyway, um, yeah, like big pops for this. And like, yeah, that's cool. But also like the poor WCW fans, like they need any kind of dub they can get tonight. And their dub is in kayfabe Shane McMahon, who in kayfabe doesn't like his dad buying WCW and in kayfabe Vince is still the real owner yeah it's still but like in reality everyone knows it's still owned by Vince but like god they need they need any kind of dub they can get that like Shane being like I bought WCW is like insanely cathartic for them and it's like you poor people yeah probably hugs Right, so this that is the this is the the big moment from this show that it's almost like and whoa! We still I, have an hour of show left somehow. This this is a hundred percent. I just I didn't even realize this until tonight. I, this is a hundred percent because Nitro airs from eight to ten, and Raw is from nine to eleven. So on Nitro, this was the big show ending moment. On but because of the time difference on Raw, this has to be the midpoint. Man, that's so sad that this was the show-ending moment for the final Nitro. Fuck you, Vince. Right. I, uh, but a hell of a hell of a moment. The preceding storyline, less so, because this is how the invasion starts. Oh well, so, yes. Uh, but uh, great moment here, iconic. Uh, also, the look on Paul Heyman's face is hilarious. He he is. He is he is so despondent that he has been kissing Vince's ass for an hour, and Vince doesn't even own WCW. He's like, wait, no, I wanted to feel some modicum of power vicariously through Daddy Vince. Uh, we go backstage. Vince is on the phone. He is just yell fuming at his attorneys, like, how could you let this happen? And I would say again, all you had to do. Was just sign the contract yourself, Vince, and not try to d- draw it out for the sake of a cheap humiliation bit at WrestleMania, and we could have taken care of it. But no, 
he had to be like, I'm not going to officially sign those papers until at the, to a more dramatically suitable moment. And Shane was like, real oh, life, okay. Real life Vince is only slightly less, uh, less of a moron than kayfabe Vince is. Yep. Only slightly. Finally, we get to match three on this show. The Hardy Boys and Chris Benoit versus Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle. Uh, the, the, the matches start. The faces run up. They start brawling while the heels are on the ramp. Uh, the highlight of this match was 100%. Um, Shane, Paul Heyman was trying to make a narrative point about the uh, cohesive history of Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle as opposed to, you know, the Hardy Boys and Benoit are not friends. Yep. And in the middle, Kurt... Uh, um, uh, Jim Ross interrupts him to do to to talk to do a play by play of a two count, and Paul Heyman just goes, "All right, Mister Costas, don't interrupt me. Don't go interrupting me." And you could like you don't you don't actually hear anything. You don't see the commentary desk. I could I could feel Jr. just wanting to wrap his hands around Paul Heyman's throat and squeeze at that point. Stephanie sounds from uh, JR. They do uh, a tables, ladders, and chairs, uh, and Paul Heyman jumps in and says, Oh my. <laughs> You're so fucking funny. Also, this is a random observation, but like I'm I guess I'm so used to like older Hardys that to me, like young Hardys just look like their old selves put through a face filter. Like they I have seen few people whose, like, faces from young to old match up as fucking well as the Hardys do. Holy shit. They just look, like, slightly more old nowadays. Like, that. that's it. Like, Jesus Christ. What fountain of youth are these men drinking from? Fuck. Oh, um, but, yeah. Uh, match ends oh. in about two minutes. It's like, uh, what? And Christian Edge... And Benoit and whoever the fuck is the other uh, uh, angle. Like, this should have been awesome. And it was nothing. It was another nothing burger, Austin, with nothing but banger talent in the ring. Yeah, it's, it's literally Benoit tries to get the crossface back on Kurt. Chris Christian jumps in to help. And then Chris Benoit just makes Christian tap out instead. And that's how the match ends and they win. And then they start fighting again. And then Rhino shows up and gores Matt Hardy. And then Lita's like, oh no, my boyfriend. And then Rhino is like, I will also gore Lita. And JR is like, how dare you? Okay. (laughs) We get another ad for the XFL. Fantastic. Woo, XFL, woo. I bet it's going great. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, these uh, advertisements get, show me nothing but promise. All right. Yeah, all right. We get we get a, a interview with Kevin Kelly uh, as he interviews the Brothers of Destruction, and and Undertaker says that he's a patient man because he's asking about like, are you how mad are you that Triple H isn't here tonight? And and uh, Undertaker like, I'm a patient man. Triple H, you can hide behind Vince. He can hide behind his skank old lady. Referring to, of course, Stephanie. Stephanie, slut. And he can, and he can hide behind all the police he wants, but he can't hide in six days. And they said some other stuff. We were honestly discussing the logistics of Kane's hair, and so I don't, I didn't catch any of it. Yeah. Okay. My, because my notes here are: God, Mark Calloway Taker is so fucking lame. Like, 
He is. This is Mark Calloway. Like, this is not The Undertaker. This is just Mark Calloway vaguely doing the Taker voice, kind of. But, like, what? why are you still The Undertaker? This is not... This is not The Undertaker. Why did people buy into this? I get it. It's 90s or early aughts, and especially 2000 fucking one. Well, wait, no, 9-11 hasn't even happened yet. What? No, we are pre-9-11, these dudes. But we're still Murica all over the goddamn place, so sure, I guess that's why he got over still. Um, and yeah, because Kane... Okay, so Glenn Jacobs... Kane's, you know, shooty shoot name. Sure, is sure. A famously bald man. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like. And the few he times is, he's had hair are pretty short as well. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, like baller buzz cut, right? So. Right. When Kane is Kane, he's got, like, a, a wig on. It's a, it's a wig. Yes. Uh, it's a big old wig. But it's a somewhat convincing wig. But, like. The trick is, like, you can kind of tell, like, his mask wraps around his head enough that, like, clearly the wig can kind of be, like, put on, like, in such a way that it looks like it's coming out of the hair or coming out of the head, but the mask covers it up and covers kind of the spoken mirrors. But, like, Kane's mask here, like, stops after kind of, like, his actual face stops, but he still has a bunch of hair, like, staying on extremely well past that point. And it's kind of, and it looks also like it's legitimately coming out of his head. And it's kind of baffling me. I know I shouldn't get hung up on this detail, but this episode is so what the fuck is happening that I couldn't help just like stop and have a whole little tangent with myself about how the fuck does Kane's wig work? And how does it stay on that good, especially when he's doing goddamn wrestling moves? What? Wow. Whoever, whoever runs the goddamn wig department deserves an award. Holy shit. All right, time for the best match on this show. Uh, huh. Test versus X-Pac. Uh, A coming with by Lord T- Albert. Yes, it's time. This is the birth of everyone's least favorite or favorite, if you have good taste, stable X-Factor. Uh, of oh, no. X-Pac, Albert, and Justin Credible. Uh, and I'll be honest... <laughs> The best part about their gimmick is their next theme song, not the one we have here. Because you see, their next gimmick is their next theme song will be What You're Looking At by Uncle Cracker. Very oh 2002. God. But even better, what they do is they do the shittiest editing job of all time on the Wait, song. you told me so about this. I have. They open the song with, yo, you dealing with the X Factor. And then they cut to the Uncle Cracker song. And the lyrics to this song in the middle of it are, and I like, I know you hate that fact, but you ain't got to look at me like that. During the part where he says that fact, they extremely sloppily put over, edit over a bit of someone saying X Factor. Like when I say sloppily, I mean, you can still hear the original audio over the top so, that, that was layer that they layered oh the x factor thing over on yeah you still you still you hear about it. this before and i still can't wrap my head around it who thought who thought that was necessary that's it's like it's just extraneous and if you can't make it sound good it's just gonna make it so actively worse whose idea was this 
it's phenomenal. It's hilarious. Is it's it's, it's, it's also it's, it's like a it's like a fucking breakup song or something. And they were they and they were just like, what if I throw in some X Factor every once in a while? This works. I know, like half the time, if like wrestlers' theme songs don't actually like make sense if they're doing like licensed music like it's not super thematic it's just a song that the wrestler likes but like you don't then have to like try to force it to work like you can just leave it be and no one's gonna care they're just gonna like that they can leo pointing meme the song that's all you need <laughs> mm-hmm but anyway, Eddie Guerrero is the special guest referee, so obviously for reasons. Yeah, why is this happening like this? I don't know. William Regal's a bastard, I guess. Uh, so a bastard. this this falls apart quickly. Uh, really, Tess pins X Pac off some you know whatever move, and Eddie Guerrero does a slow, slow. cow, and Tess is like, "What?" are you doing and then x pac and, and, and was like that seems like kind of a slow count isn't it and and, and paul Heyman is, like, is like you know eddie guerrero's never refereed before he's getting into the swing of things you he's know he's figuring it out yeah okay he's fine. going along as then x pac makes starts hitting moves on tests and several times he pins tests and obviously fast count Oh, super and fast count, but Tess keeps managing to, to kick out the absolute madman. So, okay, Cray, here's the finishing sequence. This match is also not long at all, but no. I had fun with Eddie. I have I have fun with guest referee screwing spots. Yes. So Especially I with a supreme motherfucker, Eddie Guerrero. Absolutely. So Test hits a big move on X-Pac, and Eddie goes down to go to the pin. He goes, oh, my back. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't do it. Sorry. Bernie or some shit. So Tess is like, what the fuck? And he punches Eddie and knocks Eddie out of the ring. And at this point, Pac, X-Pac runs over to get the European title to hit Tess with. Tess counters him, pins him, and then a regular ref runs in to count the pin. And then Eddie grabs the ref during the pin to stop the ref from finishing the count. Oh, and yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Eddie gets knocked out and then comes to in time to fuck with the real ref. And Holy then the rest shit. are arguing with each other on the outside, and Albert runs in and hits Baldo Bombs, big power bomb move on test. X Pog runs in to make the pin, and and Eddie quickly counts the pin for the win. God. Fuck. And then after the match, Eddie beats up Tess some more, and is at this point where Paul Heyman suggests that Eddie really has a bright future as a referee when his wrestling days are over. Uh huh. Oh, that did not age well. Um. X-Pac, also like X-Pac, absolute crickets for X-Pac's win. They did not pipe in any crowd. The, uh, by the way, the fans didn't care about any of this match. I oh, adored it. So like, not the fans didn't give it. a fuck. They didn't give a shit. They're like, they're like, this doesn't have like Vince McMahon jacking himself off and it doesn't have Stone Cold chugging beer. Uh, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Uh, no. So Cole approaches stone cold backstage at like catering or something and he mm -hmm. wants to ask him about his match and stone cold just walks away and says nothing yeah, fuck you and then mick foley is here daddy mick hi 
How are you? And he gets a fucking standing ovation. Absolutely based. Objectively yeah. correct way to greet Mick Foley in any in any setting. That man should be met with all of the standing ovations. God, I love Mick Foley, dude. I was saying this to you while we were watching. Like, Mick Foley is so goddamn niche. His shit was kind of so goofy. And the fact that he got, like, so over that he is now just viewed as an absolute legend who gets standing ovations just fills me with such happiness. Like, this is, again, objectively correct. No, few people in wrestling are more deserving of this kind of love than Mick Foley, and the fact that he actually rightfully gets it is proof to me that there is some justice in this world. Two. Mick Foley. At first, he's like, well, I, I, want, I don't want, I'm not here to just hawk my new book. Foley is good. Coming out May 8th. He is here to hawk that book. But, you know, not and only to do. He, he says, you know, he, he wants to take some time off. Have a nice vacation. We're, we're better than right here in Cleveland, Ohio. He hits yeah, see, the as, as a proud Ohio, as a proud Ohio show myself, X. Yeah. So Mick says that he wants to be a part of WrestleMania this year, and he's going to get involved in one of the biggest matches. And Vince comes out. Vince is so done with everything tonight. Also, as Vince comes he's, out and he's walking down the runway, um, I, he passes by a sign that says Foley for President. Absolutely true. My man's already got a built-in cabinet. Uh, easy money. Uh, fucking uh, Cactus Jack is VP. Um, uh-huh. Dude, dude, dude Love Dude is, Love is Secretary of State. I think he'd do great. Dude Love is Secretary of State, Mankind is Speaker of the House. Easy money. Of course. So Vince comes out. He's like, he's not in the mood for this. You're fired, Mick. Get out of here. I'm leaving. calling the cops. Yeah. Uh, and Vince. Oh, and, 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 and fully greets us, by the way, with the most casual. Oh, hey, Vince. Oh, hey, Vince. Just, yeah, just so casual. And so Foley quotes the little engine that could. And he's like, well, I would love to do that, Vince. I would love to do that, Vince. But, you know, I I, 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 I want to be a mania. And he reminds Vince that in June, Vince, he left to go be a genetic jackhammer all over Connecticut. And Vince, <laughs> and then in one of the dirtier things I think I've ever heard Mick Foley say, he strongly implied that Vince... Uh, did not, did not does off. not have a very successful performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was. And in so that time, great. Mick Foley became commissioner of WWF, and, and Vince came back in December, and he fired Foley right before Christmas. But Mick Foley wasn't stupid. He knew that as soon as Vince comes back, his days were done. So uh. before Vince could fire him, he and Linda had a little business meeting. And they cut to a December 5th video of a meeting. And Vince and Foley does a lot of like past self jokes here, knowing as as if knowing how Vince is going to act about this. Yeah. Foley, I learned in this is is just psychic. That's the only explanation Mm -hmm. for half of this. So he he explained he explained that he had a meeting with Bit with Linda and Linda had legal drop a bunch of documents and he's gonna sit here and sign all of them and they're all legal because he wasn't he was still commissioner when he signed it so they are still legally binding documents. I feel like he could, and, I feel like they could 
legal after he was commissioner. Just it would just be a little more legwork. But you know, whatever. Well, I mean, if he was fired, then there's not necessarily he doesn't necessarily have any oh, sort of oh, that's, you know, that's just, contracts. But yeah, fair so. okay, fair enough. So Vin Foley pulls out one such document. And he explains that this document says he can be special guest referee for any match of his choosing at WrestleMania. And he's choosing Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon. That's an insane thing to have been prepared for. How? How did he know? How could he possibly have known? Um, also, Again, I I like to think that all the reason this 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 stack of documents was so big is because he was preparing for all possible contingencies. You yeah, know, see, one of one of those documents says he can have like, any singles match he wants. One says he can have any tag match he wants. Is it just is it is it just the fucking like orders programmed into the stormtroopers? They have every possible contingency in there, even the most like weird random bullshit you think would never come up. Like, sure. Jesus Christ. Also, shout out to the crowd for, like, having a big pop for, like, fucking able-bodied Linda on screen with Mick. They clearly are yeah. not a fan of the angle they're running with Linda. Um, and, also, and, also, and, he, he pulled he pulled the, the he pulled that specific do- document he signed out of his book, and I'm like, oh, God, it's Mick's story time! Oh, no. Chapter, chapter one. Chapter one. Once upon uh, a time, there was a little boy named Vince McMahon. Yes. Uh, they and then and then old Mick decides to get real sassy, and to close it off, he says, "Well, in case you haven't, we're having one already. Have a nice day." Yeah. Uh, this. Oh, this is just the worst. The worst day of Vince McMahon's life. The worst day of Vince McMahon's life so far. Thank you, Simpsons movie. Um, so far, so uh, and Vince then we is backstage back now. He is despondent on the couch, eating those strawberries, man. And then angrily spits them out. And then, yeah, what the shit? Um. Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay. All right, then. After the mat, after that is match five: Chris Jericho versus Whale. Whale. The big show. Uh, Jericho tries to jump show before the match fails completely. Yep. Uh, there is some back and forth, but this is yet another match that takes like two minutes. Yeah, and, and there's a bunch so, of fucking shenanigans. A bunch of people show up. Right, so the order of events here is Big Show has Chris Jericho out of the ring. He throws Jericho back in the ring. Kane comes out to attack the Big Show. Raven comes out to bash Kane's face in with a trash can lid because hardcore. Regal runs in to attack Jericho and does so. And this sets up Big Show for the choke slam for the win. And then after the match, Raven attacks Kane some more and then gets choke slammed. Eat shit. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I, I didn't like care about a whole lot in this match. What I did notice. What I like, what really kind of came into my mind is like, how many fucking people tonight are wearing the like company distributed like uh, WrestleMania 17 jacket? So and many WrestleMania 17 jerseys tonight. Everyone, and you know, it's nice how heel and face alike could agree to wear the new jackets, shilling for the the, the upcoming pay per view. A little bit of brand synergy goes a long way. But yeah, uh, who needs real matches? We got bullshit. We got bullshit on top of our bullshit. And even more bullshit on top of that. We're Speaking just, of bullshit. We're just a good time, folks. 
Speaking of bullshit, The Rock is walking backstage and he's talks to some random crew member and is like, "Hey, where are directions to Stone Cold's uh, locker room?" And and he gives kind of shitty directions and The Rock snarks at him and he gives better directions and he's like, "Hey, you new here?" And he's a kid's like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, well, I'm The Rock." And he shakes his hand and the kid is about to like say his own name and The Rock stops him and it's like sucks the rock as a baby face now because if he was a heel he would very obviously do that it doesn't matter what your name is bit but because he's a baby face he's not going to do that to some random production member you were buckling up for this kid falling for that shit and i was like i mean it's 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 the bit it's the rock bit whenever he's like what's your name that is the most loaded question Dwayne the Rock Johnson could ever ask you is what's uh, your name? Dwayne Johnson asks you your name, you start to answer, and Dwayne Johnson's like, I'm about to end this man's whole career. It doesn't matter what your name is. He always does it. So I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna bully this young production crew assistant. But no, he teases it, but he's just like, nah, I don't care. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, so he he says it doesn't matter what your name is, but in the nice way. Right. So uh, they do some recap and shit with a weird fucking Greyhound bus ad. Yeah, today I learned that the WWF Epic Voice Announcer guy is just a Greyhound in a suit because they cut to a Greyhound in a suit whose mouth is like CGI to move a WWF Epic Voice guy. What? So I guess, canonically, he's just a dog. That's neat to know. Then we get the most useless check-in to WWF New York I think I've ever seen, and I've seen plenty of them by this point. I will say the boys were jumping that night. They were jumping, but Dudley boys were there. They didn't say anything of value. I I literally don't have any notes on their. I don't know. Something something tables, ladders, chairs at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devon hit. Devon hits the notes of "Oh my brother, testify." All right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and it's it's funny. It's funny how they do this too, because like, uh, because he fucking goes, uh, tables, ladders, chairs. Like, the two is so, like, tacked on and so nothing at the end. It's like, did I hear that correctly? Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, so, yeah, the joint Stone, is popping at the world Stone somehow, Cold. and the Dudleys are the Dudleys are popping off. Uh, and then... Uh, Stone Cold is in his locker room with Deborah, and The Rock comes in. The Rock says he wants to... He knows they don't want to team with each other. I don't like you. You don't like me. He's like, hey, as long as you don't mess with me, I, I won't mess with you, all right? That's how it's going to work. And Stone Cold stops. He's like, he just wants to make sure it's understood that, you know, after the match is over, all bets are off. And The Rock is like, you did. Hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah. Okay. We get the Hardy Boys Chef Boyardee ad where it's some snowboarders being like, this is extreme. And they do some snowboarding and then they stop. And the Hardy Boys are like, oh, yeah, you think that's extreme? This is extreme. And they do their wrestling moves. And then they all eat Chef Boyardee's beef. The guaranteed. The guaranteed formula to print money. Hardy Boys, snowboarding, Chef Boy RD. That's instant money right there. No notes. What? Mm-hmm. All right. Main event, Kane Undertaker versus The Rock and Steve Austin is the longest match of the show, and it is like five minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's all so, – and nothing happens. It is a can – they can they coexist a little bit. 
Yep. And then, uh, Mark uh, Calloway enters to uh, to his new rock remix of 18 Wheels on a Big Rig, going, rolling, 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 oh, there's one, two, three, four, Sure, or maybe the Limp Biscuit song, Rolling, that might be more what they mean. Okay, but it just keeps saying Rolling, and all I could think of was 18 Wheels on a Big Fair. I thought you and Walpy would appreciate that. Um, but yeah, all right. So, uh, quickly, uh, the Stone Cold Malfunction Junction's rock off the apron gets mm-hmm. choke slammed by the Undertaker, and then oops, Triple H is actually here after all. He runs in with a steel chair, not hits Taker in the back. Stone Cold pins him off of that, uh, and then Stone Cold gets his beers and they he starts celebrating. Which, um, shouts out to the beer toss guy who has to yes. throw Stone Cold all MVP these. dude is automatic and makes this bit not make not look stupid. Uh, yeah, okay. So, a couple of my notes from this match. Again, all nothing of consequence, because fuck, matches don't matter on this episode. Um, so, Stone Cold and his wife just don't even look at each other on the outside as they pass each other, like, on the ring steps before the match. Yikes. Um, to, can they coexist? And, of course, Paul Heyman literally had to say the line, because what the fuck is subtlety? Um, someone in the crowd has a sign saying... The original Hardy Girl, Hardy Girls, and pointing down, presumably at the sign holder, at themselves, of, of course. Yeah, at themselves. Well, how do you? How do you? A, what does that mean? B, how do you quantify that? Um, and then yes, yeah, so oh, now Junction at the function. Um, also, while Trips attacks Taker, he's got like he's wearing a leather jacket, and then like. Yes, he's wearing his leather jacket and then a jean jacket over top of the leather jacket. This is Triple H's style. I can't pretend like if like maybe the jean jacket were also black or something, I wouldn't also wear something like that. But also, what the This It's very metal. It's so, oh, it's so metal. Alright, so... Stone Cold, he's setting up all these beers in like a row to just like do four at once. Mm-hmm. And The Rock runs up behind him and sneaks up behind him. And Stone Cold turns around and by God. And he the hits Rock the hits, stunner. The Rock hits the stunner on Stone Cold. The disrespect. And then I wrote, Deborah is looking conflicted, De- I guess. See, I wrote, Deborah is doing her best to look conflicted about watching her abuser get dicked on in the ring. <laughs> I'm not convinced of Deborah as an actor and have nothing positive to say about it. Yeah, so, uh, and then I, I hope make she's doing, I, I hope she's doing okay. That's my yeah, comment so. about Deborah. And then I make a note that rock and has to end the show drinking Bush light as we go off the air. Amazing. And, uh, Oh man, a whole lot happened here. And a it's lot a historic of historic episode of stupid. raw. That's why this, this, that's why this episode's so fucking long. It's because a and very what wasn't, episode of Raw. And what wasn't stupid was just ghoulish as all hell. Yeah. Yeah, Man, that's most just famous like, for Vince being an unrepentant jackass about buying WCW and then Shane being like, aha, but you see, I bought it, except that's all story. Yeah, Vince that's did the, buy it. It's right? so disheartening, dude. Like, this just makes me sad. Like... I put myself in their shoes, and if AEW were to go under like that and Triple H got on TV to pull some jackass shit like that, 
I might legitimately shed a tear or two because that's just devastating. And Vince, Vince did not care. He has nothing but contempt for these people and is just actively, proudly flaunting that on a on live TV simulcast. Fuck you and the million dollar horse you rode in on, you jackass. Holy yep. shit, it pisses me off. Oh my god. Yep. Fuck that guy. But a historic episode of Raw, indeed, we got to watch here. For better uh, or worse. Sure. Uh, but next time, uh, we will be watching... Uh, we will be back in um, uh, the Trot Love Square of 2012. Yay. We may or may not be finishing it. I don't have that nailed down yet. Oh, we'll find out. Yeah, we are moving on to the very least the money in the bank, the last pay per view match of this storyline. We will be going on the road to Money in the Bank 2012. Oh, shit, buddy. Yep. All right, uh, so that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. Dear friends, thank you for joining us once again on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so happy to have you here. Whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you are, uh, you're uh, accustomed to all the bullshit, uh, or if you're new to our show or you are uh, a returning listener, viewer, what have you, we just hope you've all had a great time here. The returning listeners, viewers, you know the drill. Thanks again for walking us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs. New people, hey, hi, how's it going? Thanks for being here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts do like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So we hope you've had a great time here. Uh, if you would like to keep having a great time with us and you're not entirely sure how to do so, well, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Uh, it's awesome. Check out all of our playlists because Austin's been kind enough to organize all the storylines and shit that we follow into their own playlist. So you can follow some all the way down without having to skip around. It's great. Uh, engage with us. And hey, we got video on this shit too. You can see our beautiful, sexy faces and all the little, uh, the little visual gags we hide in here in Austin being Austin, me being cute and matchy matchy with our OSU gear on today. Um, so uh, come check us out on the YouTube. But of course, if you're a fan of the audio-only experience, we have you covered there as well. We are on three of the best places to find your podcast, which would be Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, of course. Check us out there. Rate us, download us, review us. Any sort of sweet, sweet engagement you can give us to let us know that, hey, you like the show and maybe other people like the show too. I don't know. I'm just saying. Check us out. YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. But, of course, if you want to get in a little more contact with us, we have options there, too. We are on social media. You can find us on Twitter, at Noobs and NoxPod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, NoxPod on Twitter. Come check us out there. We post memes. We engage in discourse. We post every single time we drop a brand new episode so you guys know what the hell is going on. The highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting uh that's been kind of my thing recently austin has been keeping up with weekly wrestling as much i'm also currently like three weeks behind uh two weeks behind at this point uh either way but we're we're gonna get back to it uh slash i'm gonna get back to it uh now that i'm done with the show that i was doing and i actually have my life back uh it's good shit uh we'll hop on there but aside from the weekly live tweeting of course our boy austin is diligent enough to keep up with all of the major company pay-per-views going on. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? Right. 
so upcoming for AEW is uh, November 19th is AEW Full Gear. Yeah, the uh, what the for WWE is Survivor Series War Games, November 26th. Oh. Crown Crown Jewel is over today. Oh, Crown Jewel. So there's that. And then Dang. Impact Wrestling is hard to kill on January 13th. Normally I'd have more to say about this, but we have been recording for a very long time today. That's so fair. no, I'm hey, going to give hey, that the I quick mean, one well, we, we, I mean, a lot of that shit's super far off anyway. We don't really mm-hmm. just... It'll come down the pike, all right? Get off our backs. Um, but yeah, it's a great time over on the Twitter. If you enjoy listening to Austin and me ramble for hours on end about this shit for some reason, Jesus Christ, it's going to be like a three-hour-long episode. Uh, if you enjoy that, you'll enjoy the Twitter. Our voices carry over pretty well. Austin's all smart and analytical. I'm just on my weird, snarky bullshit. Uh, either way, it's a great time. Check us out at Noobs and NoxPod on Twitter. But of course, if you want to get super direct contact with us we have an option for that as well we have an email address you can email us at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com that's noobs the word and this time knockouts pod at gmail.com come say hi to us there tell us what you like or don't like about the show give us requests for like wrestling things you want to see on the show tell us how based our hot takes are how much you think they suck or just how our beautiful dulcet tones lull you to sleep every night whatever we love people saying hi we would love to say hi, to say hi back noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com and of course finally we are on patreon we are also the noobs and knockouts podcast on patreon you can find the link for it in our twitter account uh one dollar a month gives you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode shout out to friend of the show sugar daddy kyle smith for being part of our $1 tier. Thank you so much, buddy. Enjoy your perks. If you want to enjoy your perks, along with Kyle, sign up. $1 a month only. Just a, just a single little buckaroonie uh, on the on the Patreon. Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. Once again, the link is in the Twitter arena. Uh, and yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. See y'all next time. Hasta luego. <laughs>